Is something happening behind me? <laughs> I feel like I'm a cocktail. Like I could just catch something and be in it. <laughs> well, if I do this, does it look like I'm doing that? No. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is fucking Lorenzo Garcia. Guys, we've had so many guests on. We've had four-legged friends and eight-legged friends only. And today we have our first two-legged friend. So welcome to Lorenzo. Octopuses have arms, not legs. Okay, eight arms. Gosh darn it. <laughs> Everyone knew what I meant, okay. <clears throat> Too late. All right, what's up? What's up, Lorenzo? Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you guys for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. Hell yeah. Just, uh, I've never done anything like this before, so this is super cool. Thank you, guys. So we've done, this is our 20th or 19th episode? Our 20th episode. 20th episode, and we thought, we've been waiting a long time. Like we said, we're going to have some guests on, some good friends, and some people that we really like and inspire us. And I don't know. It was just about time that we change it up and bring a guest in, and I'm proud to introduce my... Actually, one of my closest friends for sure, and it's crazy because we became really good friends in uh, in just three or four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really a really short time, but we've been super close since. So this guy is well. I know he has a big uh, a big following, and he's fucking known in the flair community and in the craft bartending community. And for those of you who don't know those worlds of the bar side. It's a whole other side. And if you're not going to craft bars or you're not, you know, hanging out with flare people or going to flare bars, then you're not fucking living. You don't know what you're doing. I don't even drink anymore. And I still would go to see him and see what he could do because I've been to the competitions in, well, never in Vegas. I've been to the big competitions here and I've seen a ton of the competitions. And when I met Lorenzo, um, I was, I think I just started flaring like, for a couple of weeks <laughs> practicing. Yeah. And then when I met him, I had always known him through our other good friend, Orlando, which is another good flair bartender, but he had always told me he was his arch like nemesis, like frenemies. Like he's the one that I fucking need to go after because he's coming for me all the time. Everybody needs somebody to push him. And definitely Orly was that to me. He was definitely yeah. gives me inspiration, but my best buddy at the same time. So, okay, so Lorenzo, how did you like get into the flair world? Like, Wait, hold on. How long have you been bartending? In general? In general. So I've been bartending 13 years. Um, I got started bartending at a Buffalo Wild Wings of all places. And fucking love Buffalo. If y'all want to sponsor us, <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings, fucking love I'll it. take it all yeah, day long. It was, so, it was a fun place wedding. to work at. <laughs> it was such a fun place to work at, but I was waiting tables at the time and... Um, it was a UFC fight night, and one of our bartenders, I guess, got overwhelmed and just said, fuck it, I'm out of here. <clears> just fucking fuck quit. Walk out the door. So <laughs> yeah. uh, my manager at the time was like, hey, uh, can anybody help us out? And I didn't even hesitate. I just ran right back there. Because I was already serving cocktails and serving the drink menu, so I was already kind of informed with what was going on. And I was always kind of like just into that culture, and I wanted to bartend. I knew that I wanted to bartend. Uh, if I was just going to be working in the service industry, I've been in the service industry for uh, since I was 16 years old, waiting tables at uh, banquets uh, back in my hometown. I'm from the Rio Grande Valley, so that's where I got started, just waiting tables. And I ended up getting a job at Buffalo Wild Wings, lo and behold, at 19, and uh, ended up uh, landing a bartending gig there, and I haven't stopped since. It has changed my world. 
Um, I have an obsession with it now. At the time, I didn't know it, that it was gonna change my life. It was uh, something to do to get by and pay the bills while I was shitting the shit. Okay, <laughs> I don't know about you, but when the only reason I made the transition from server to bartender, if I was gonna even stick in the service industry for any amount of time, was purely money driven. <laughs> like oh, at first I was like, yeah. we're making how much a night? I only wanted money to- But the bartenders are making yeah. twice that? I wanted money to pay for the tab and have enough money to party and yeah. pay the bills. That's it, that's what I wanted. And no, exactly. I did, you know, we, we did that for a long time. I feel like so many people, <clears> they like wanna make that transition strictly because of the money. But then yeah. a lot of people, like the other side of it, the people that go into bartending is it is because they actually enjoy it and they enjoy, you're basically like, to me, you're a therapist without a degree as a bartender. And therapist amongst other things. Yeah. Yes. And you get to meet so many different people. You make so many friends. Think about all the regulars that you guys have had over the years and like how close you guys have become to them. And like, I, I think it's amazing. You just develop different relationships by being a bartender, which is so cool. Absolutely. The, there's been nothing like having, feeling like you're at home with family, with just almost random strangers. But these people come in every day and they want their, their drink, their fix, and you're there to serve it to them with a smile. And so long as you can provide that and provide a good atmosphere, it makes for such a great environment. And it builds bonds that forever can, can change your life. I'm a big believer that the bar can bring you anything you need. <clears throat> If I ever needed my truck fixed, if I ever needed um, some uh, internet at home, or I needed to buy a car or something like that, there was always somebody at the bar that could definitely uh, do that for us. So I, I love what the bar can bring to you amongst everything else. I've treated it as an obsession now, um, just because it's, I told myself at one point, I was gonna stop bullshitting my way through it, and um, I was really, really gonna learn. Um, but that, that all, that all came a little bit later when I got started with flair bartending, this of all places, uh, is where I got my very first hints. The very first thing that I ever saw for flair bartending was at Chili's and I was oh. bart really? <laughs> Wait. Yeah, at Chili's. He just oh, told me that. <clears throat> Sorry. If you want to sponsor us? Cause I'm obsessed with Chili's. Uh, no, Buffalo Wild Wings. Okay. When, when you said that, um, and I don't know if this is true because I just thought of it. I mean, it's a stoner thought. But when you said, like, there's people and connections and bonds that you build, you know the term watering hole? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, a watering hole, even in the wild, uh, there's kind of like a truce, like no attacking around the water hole. It's like where animals of all walks of life will come because they need the water. So those alcoholics need those bars and – Sometimes there's fights and sometimes there's not, but it definitely brings yeah. you meet. Okay. Yes. There's other jobs and I'm sure people are going to like think of them like this, but a bartending is definitely a job that you will meet a whole bunch of different type of people that do a whole bunch of different kind of things that come from a whole bunch of different type of places have seen a whole bunch of different things. I mean, that's a lot of, if, if you embrace the opportunity to actually make those connections, hell yeah, it's, yeah, for sure. It's a cool I mean, experience. Just like off the top of my head, thinking about the people that both of you have met, it's such a wide range of people that come from totally different backgrounds that do so many different things and that are completely different ages. I mean, look at Chris and then look at like 
Tommy. Like they're shout out to Chris. Shout out to Chris. <laughs> and Tommy. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to have them on. They're both podcast. badass. Yeah. Yeah. You should definitely have both of them on. They're yeah. both super, and they're good. Super awesome. Actually, I've spoken to both about it. I saw Tommy today. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? Um yeah. You're right. There's some really good friends that I made over the years and really good people. Yeah, you're right. Both those people that you just named are top notch. Shout out to both of them. And like both of them have such different, honestly, they probably have like the same kind of view on life in the world because they're very similar to both of you. Like they have a very deep understanding or like deeper thinking, I guess. They're just cool as fuck. No, for sure. (laughs) No, yeah, they do. No, I know what you're saying. They, They think on a different frequency and they're not... They don't think like the masses. Exactly. And because and so, it's a productive way to, to harmonize with people. Yeah, they both do. Definitely. Yeah. And I just think, think I started awesome. thinking like that. Right. But yeah. But I think that's awesome that you can meet these people who, yeah, on like the surface level, okay, all these people are really cool, chill people. But then once you get to know them better, you really develop these relationships that can go a long way because they think more on the same level as you do, because you definitely. share I, different I, values and beliefs and everything. I definitely agree with that. I used to have a customer that would come in and he was always depressed and by himself and kind of angry all the time, but I would serve him a, a Los Equis and we kind of talk it out. I'd listen and then he'd just say thanks and tip really well. And I think he, I would hope he felt better right after he left, but he would come in regularly and it seemed like he just needed this little gasp of air and and that's it that's all he that's all he wanted out of that really really awesome guy turned out to be super super intelligent and being from australia of all places oh shit that's dope texas like he was just finishing his degree at utsa and i guess was just going through some stuff with his girlfriend and yeah uh i was there at the time you know what i mean so it was super cool to meet this guy um and we still keep in contact to this day um but Really? Yeah, definitely. That's dope. Yeah, definitely. He's- it's interesting that you say that because you know how they always say that, um, like, uh, a nice gesture or like, um, like giving someone a random a compliment, like a small, uh, selfless gesture can like make someone's day. Absolutely. But- and it's funny that if you happen to go drink at the bar, that could be that little instance that you have with a with a bartender when you're in that mood could fucking tank you and be like, this guy's a dick. Yeah. Like if he would have gotten me, I'd be like, bitch, what do you want? Like fucking order. <laughs> what the fuck? And that's a difference too. That there are Let's different, go. totally different types of bartenders. So, <laughs> that's true too. I'll totally just play. Well, I, I, was, I was a mean bartender. Not really. Well, was, <laughs> was, uh, Depends what mood I was in. He was about work <laughs> and about his money and that's it. That's, but, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. He was a great worker. Hell yeah. So something that I just thought of too, and it's something that I always say in like job interviews and everything, because this is something that I think of almost every day, is that the way that you grow as a person is to listen and try to understand other people and different people, people who are different than you and people who are going through different things and who come from different backgrounds. And so I think that that's another awesome thing that bartending can bring is like you're listening and meeting all of these different people and by trying to understand where they're coming from or what they're going through, it actually makes you a better person, like helps you grow and understand kind of you and your life better. Definitely, I think I have a lot of it. Uh... Why are you looking at me like that? You <laughs> say that in job interviews? 
Yeah, because they stealing that shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, this motherfucker. That was like a fucking answer. What what do you ask them when they say, "What's your biggest flaw?" What's my or or that question? Yeah, that question. What do you say? I say trying to please other people. Hmm. That's my biggest flaw, and it's like I please you, but sometimes it is a downfall. But it could be a strength and a weakness. Yeah, you can say as your employee, you would like that. For me, it's just I'm so committed to the job. Blah blah bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, just so everyone knows, okay, I have uh-huh. like a professional <laughs> job and like professional interview training. If anyone needs someone, I got you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I've helped all my friends through interviews, and they're like, "Where do you come up with this stuff?" And I'm like, "Pageants, bitch." <laughs> yeah. Did you help uh, your one friend that fell asleep in the office with no, her interviews? Did not, <laughs> did not help her. <laughs> fell asleep multiple times on the job in like the first month. Oh man. Oh, she still does it to this day. <laughs> she was like, my okay. boss just found me asleep at my desk and she asked me if I was okay. And I was like, and what do you say? Oh yeah, I do this every day. She was That's like, fucking awesome. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like, like, that time. I used to know a cook at Chili's that used to take, uh, used to work doubles and he would just pass out in the back right by the walk-in. Speaking of which. It takes so long? Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I've been bartending, I don't know, or I was bartending for like five, six years. Uh, throughout this episode, I think if we think of any bartending do's or don'ts, we're going to shout them out. And then at the end, we'll probably have a few, but I just thought of one. So I got to say it now. You cannot fucking lay your head down and close your eyes at the bar. No, you'll be If you are at the bar and you are so drunk that you are literally getting sleepy and the bartender tells you, they are telling you for a reason. You should not drive. You should fucking call an Uber or a taxi or a friend to get you home, but you cannot put your head down even to even like close your eyes and listen to music at a fucking bar. It's okay. a rule. Fucking cops involved, TBC. It's a fucking rule. That's why we're really telling you. Get an establishment in trouble. Big time. And so, unfortunately, when that happens, a lot of the time, they have to be almost shaken awake. And then they're fucking drunk and they're like, what the fuck will you want to fucking. Yeah. Happens all the time. That's, I just, sorry. Or, I had to. Before you get the drunk that wakes up and then just grabs his drink and tries to. He's like, nothing happened. He's like, at that point, you should have, as a bartender, pulled the drink. Okay, so that's like like a bar goer don't, but I have a bartender don't. You would think you would think we don't have to say that, but people do not understand, and they're like, "No, I'm just resting my eyes. I had a long day." I'm like, "Go the fuck home. You yeah. have to. You cannot be here. It's a law." Yeah, I got it. yeah. I've seen so, it happen plenty of times. so many times. Yeah, and then oh, you try yeah. to take uh, nobody's around there by themselves. You try to take somebody's keys. That can get a little aggressive. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. To, it's a very sensitive situation. So yeah. Don't fucking fall asleep at the bar. You simple, cannot sleep at the bar. <laughs> okay, so my bartender don't is don't leave people in the bar overnight. <laughs> you want to say that story? Oh, man. <laughs> we can do that one. The bartender don't. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. This is not a... Uh, and. This is not a don't, and it doesn't happen all the time. This is just one time. Horrible situation. Um, we were, I was the manager on shifts, and I, and I guess I was responsible for this. I will take some responsibility because I didn't check <laughs> the restrooms. But very, very oh, good baby. friend of ours. We'll call him Tony. Cause that's his real name. <laughs> Cause that's his name. I was like, call him Tony. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> Shout out to Tony. Love you very much, brother. Um, so we finished our shift. We are closing up. We were getting out of there. It's like 2.45 and we have everything cleaned up and we are out the door. Um, so everything's fine that night. I forget which night it was. It was 
probably a a weekday because it had to have been that slow for this no, shit no, to happen. No, that no, motherfucker no, was. I was just me, I no, 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 no. Yeah. I thought it was the cleaning people. So wasn't no, it a no, weekend? No. Yes. Oh, you're right. Yeah. The cleaning people walked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the weekend. So it had to have been either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. At, at the particular bar that we used to work at, or. I used to work at. Are you still work there? I'm still working there. Yeah, COVID, it's closed right now. All right, guys. Yeah. So yes, um, but they only had cleaning crews for the bartenders on the weekends, so like Friday, Saturday. So any other day that you worked and you closed, you fucking had to clean, sweep, mop the bar, Dude, restrooms, everything. everything, right? But on the weekends, there's a fucking cleaning crew. Fuck the floors. You just clean your bar, the bottles, everything, yeah. like the actual bar. And, okay. And Tony, he's a hell of a guy. I mean, he's the kind of guy that when I work <laughs> by myself, he'll come in and he'll he'll fill up trash cans, he'll sweep the floors, he'll mop the floors if I need to, he'll wash dishes if I need to, whatever he do, I need done, he will help me. He, he's a regular that's like, not just a regular, he's actually a friend. Yeah, he's a friend yeah. of mine. And when I talk about cars, that's my guy for cars. You guys ever need anything? Yes, fucking, yeah, for sure. He's a great guy. Although, this is, this is in the past few years back, and I don't think Tony drinks like this anymore. Okay, hold on. I, I was story. just going to ask. Uh, recollection serves me right. Didn't he just fucking drink like Michelob Ultras or Miller Lights? Miller Light, all day, baby. Got, oh my god, yeah. on beer, which means he had to have had a lot. Anyways, so getting back to the story, we finish up the night, we close up, uh, every all the tabs are paid out. Um, I get home and then like seven in the morning, <laughs> motherfucker, I get a text and he's telling me, no, I get a call, not even a text. I get a call from Tony and he's like, hey, bro. I just let you letting you know. I just woke up in the restroom at Cloak. Uh, <laughs> I just uh, somebody was. I heard somebody do, uh, in the building. I opened the door. Nobody was there, and I walked out as fast as I could. And I was like, "What the fuck? Like, did you lock the door?" He's like, "I don't know." No. I just <laughs> and I just left it that. Like, well, did I was, you lock the like, door? Fuck the motherfucker! So I called every bartender that was on shift, and then I called Bobby because I had to fucking tell Bobby. And oh my god dude this motherfucker was so drunk passed out fell asleep by the toilet just all fucking night until the cleaning crew came in to uh to do their okay. duties and i guess we're rumbling around in the office or the mop room went into probably the women's restroom gave him enough time to what the fuck where am i could you imagine what he was thinking of when he woke okay up so like, yeah the way that it would work is first off i had many questions when you told me that <laughs> Nobody fucking went to the restroom. Like bar closes at two. You we kick everyone out by two fifteen, two ten. Then it takes like an hour or two after that to actually close down the bar. But sometimes it's faster depending on how the night is if it's slow. So at after hours, I take many peas because I've been usually drinking during the shift and fucking it's been a long night. And then you would have seen a fucking lifeless body on the floor. And hey, Tony! Like usually, my last ritual is to go into the fucking restroom. I don't know what the hell. We were- <laughs> You didn't have an after shift poop? No, I don't. He did it in the women's. I don't. Uh, <laughs> you went into the women's. It's cleaner. That's how I used to do that every time. Uh, do not, for uh, the bar right here, um, do not, as a man, take a shit in a bar. I mean, think about it. This guy's piss everywhere. It's I mean, if you gotta go. Thing. I mean, I, I clean it. Say, I walk in there with like a fucking thing. I <laughs> try to hold that shit as long as I can to get home. <laughs> I was gonna say, think about how one disgusting that floor is any guy's bathroom in a bar think about that covered in piss the floor is covered in piss and not only that so his face is in this 
piss-covered floor. For sure. I'm, I'm assuming I'm hoping this. No, you know he was like passed out. Okay, no. we, that, that particular restroom, when you walked in, it was sink and, a sink and mirror to the left, two urinals to the right, open urinals, and one fucking stall. So I was literally like, none of you motherfuckers walked in there, even to pee and saw like a leg hanging out. Like I mean, nobody fucking. Isn't Tony like not a small guy either? Like you would see him sticking out of the stall. He would. The stall is not that big. You would for sure like, see. <laughs> you would see a foot or something. We you would have, for sure. I'm telling you, we were probably just wanting to get out of there. They went like, to the women's like, restroom. I'm telling you. When, that was my theory. When you're doing pre pre closing and you were like, yeah, you want to get the fuck out of there. Counted, it's just like lights. You do want to get the fuck up, out of there. Let's go. Okay, so this guy. Okay. That it's a bathroom in a bar, guys. There's no fucking windows. He would wake up in pure black, pitch black, cold pee on his face on the porcelain floor. <laughs> what the fuck? It like turn on his fucking phone like he's like like in saw like <laughs> and he sees probably Juanita come in like hello like what the fuck you be and then what if he runs out? Oh man. She would be so scared. Be I'm getting robbed! Boom, boom, boom! Or tase him. Which we thought I carry tasers. A lot of the female bartenders or managers carry tasers. Tasers. Like, well, actually, like one time when I got to Cloak, I found a taser on the bar. And I was like, uh, this is cool. And I was like playing with it. And then our boss texted me and he's like, did you find a taser? I was like, yeah, this one. And she's like, the overnight people left it. I was like, oh shit, they are. They're packing yeah, something, dude, bitches. Yeah. Tony! Yeah! <laughs> I can't believe you fucking... I would have tased his ass. The thing is, that means he was so drunk that he passed out. So you'd be so fucking confused. Because I'm sure, like, most of the time you're fucked up and then you wake up and you're like, how the fuck did I get home? I made it home. This is awesome. But you don't remember how you got home. Yeah. So he just doesn't remember and he wakes up bitch black. I'd be so scared. Oh my God. It His phone's dead. Like, ah! movie. Like, that's how... Okay, Covered in pee. <laughs> uh, it's nothing like finding... Uh, uh, Bobby found one of our co Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> Old Jen. Well, Jen. We, at the same bar, had a uh, <clears throat> co-worker that sucked. So, she, she just... Okay, look, to be honest, Sorry. we are a craft. Sorry. We had a standard. We all did things by the recipe. We all did things, like, by the book. And so, when someone didn't and didn't get with the program or take the time and effort to learn all the recipes to do everything properly, which was, like, the thing, the standard, um, it affects all working with them in every situation. Drinks get returned. People don't want to order drinks from her. You get double as busy because no one stands at her. Like, all, a multitude... Uh, that's not a word mm-hmm. uh, of problems not even going on her personality or her work ethic yeah, that you, was like it sets you up for a clusterfuck of, fla- of yeah. failure okay so that was her so she had this habit of getting fucked up like I guess at the end of the night and I was working with her with our other coworker Orlando at the time and she was on the far well um, the middle one's the busiest he was there and I was at the other end well, and so like little coves in the bar. That yeah, if like, you've never been to Cloak like and Dagger, weekends. yeah, it's a badass cocktail bar off of 604 in Hosman. Um, the other one is kind of in the area. Fuck yeah, that's true. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a very custom bar, so it has three waves. <clears throat> and if you say waves, like the circular, it's half a circle of a bar, and all the bar uh, guests are seated around the bartender. It's almost like each bartender for its well has three semicircles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so a very luxurious bar. So fucking yeah, Jennifer's at the end. Like, 
for bartenders because you guys have like, all of your ingredients <clears throat> right there. Like, you yeah, don't super have to efficient, go to very, very luxurious it. for a bartender. I've worked at bars where it's super tiny and you have to share a well with two other bartenders. Or one well's like stocked and the other one's like shitty and only yeah. has half the stuff. This one, they were all, each well was independently, could be fully stocked fully and autonomous. You were good. You Stay didn't need to go. Each other. Yeah. Uh, it's the coolest. Set up perfect. I still love working there. So awesome. Anyways, old Jenny here. Old Jenny, she was a. Uh, she also took um like antidepressants. Oh no. She took pills. I didn't. Know but that. like antidepressants. Mm, okay. Okay. That well. Me, but I didn't know. Yeah, right. she would say it all the time. Which on antidepressants, you are only supposed to have a drink or two, but getting. Yeah, that's like the damn rule. Don't drink on fucking pills. That you're bars. Don't drink on bars. You get fucked up. You get raped. That's what fucking happens. Don't drink on bars. So she's knowing this. I mean, she's been on them for whatever. Drank a whole bunch. And then she gets so fucked up near the end of shift, she just stops working, sits around the bar, and sits there. And we're like, whatever. Just decides to stop. Yeah. In the middle of shift, not uh, even a, hey, guys, I feel sick. I'm going to sit over there. No, no she was taking anything. shots with her friends at the end of the bar. Oh, yeah. But we'll talk about that later. But she goes around, and we're like, whatever. It comes to, uh, we close, kick everyone out. And then Orlando and I start cleaning the bar. And we're like, hey, are you going to fucking help? And she's like, oh, I can't. And she's fucked up. I'm like, oh, whatever. So we uh, start cleaning. She goes to the restroom. And we're like, this is fucking bullshit. Whatever. Let's just start cleaning. When she comes out, we'll let her do something easy. Like a moron monkey job. She's wasted. So we clean, we clean, we clean. We do paperwork. And we're like counting money. And we're like, where the fuck is Jennifer? <laughs> and an hour... 15 minutes, an hour had passed, and we're like, she's still in the fucking restroom, bro. And we're like, oh, man, this is weird. <clears throat> so we go to the, like, the restroom door, and we're like, hello, peacely, or how did your friend do it? Peacely, <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. spicy for you. <laughs> no fucking answer. So I opened the door, and literally, she had a, we call her Jennifer because she reminds me of Jennifer Tilly and Bride of Chucky, that style and look. <laughs> <laughs> So, 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 very interesting Halloween decoration. <laughs> oh, Moose is back here. Oh, so, so, yeah, that's why. So, telling you that about her style, she had like these boots and socks that were like striped. So well, looks, we opened the women's like restroom. <laughs> what? So, it looked like a wicked witch of the West. Exactly. Yeah. We opened the restroom and <laughs> under the stalls, you just see the two legs like. Like hanging out, and she's passed out on the floor, like pee everywhere. And you just see the two legs and stripes, like straight up, bitch, wicked Glinda, whoever the hell it is. Oh, wicked witch of the west. Fucked her up. That's what it looked like. And she was passed out there. I was like, what the fuck? So I take a picture real quick. I was like, what are we going to fucking do? And I believe at the time someone was hanging around after hours. It was like uh, a girlfriend of Orlando's. And we're like, go fucking wake her up. Like, please, we're not going to do that. And so she eventually did, and she was so incoherent, fucked up. I don't know what happened if – I really don't know what happened, why they are talking, trying to get her up. But what I do remember is right after that, someone started pounding on the window, like knocking out and like uh, honking. I'm like, the fuck? We go to open it? Okay, so Jennifer over here, such a um, responsible person, uh, <laughs> she didn't have a vehicle because she had wrecked it from drinking and driving. Already. So, because she didn't have a vehicle, her father would pick her up from work at a certain time when it was, like, time for us to be done. She is covered in piss, 
Witcher, Wicked Witch of the West, like House on You, like gross, fucked up. And her dad's like, I'm here for, oh, I almost said her name. <laughs> I'm here for Jennifer Tilly. And <laughs> fucking mad. And we're like, uh, oh man, this is hard to explain. She's fucked up. We had nothing to do with this. She's supposed to be working. Like he was fucking furious, oh, picking up his 26, 27. No, older. How old was Jennifer? Our age, right? whatever or older one or the other a woman not a fucking kid yeah up from work plastered and he was like get in the fucking car he was just yelling at her get in the car they leave her like oh okay we're getting the fuck out of here i don't want to talk to that fucking guy she's covered in piss probably gonna puke in my car on the way home if he had a pickup truck i would have been like (laughs) but he didn't it was an suv it was a nice one too (laughs) remember her sister and her dad they had the land rover a nice range rover a white one it was a nice one gross yeah, I remember. I remember Jennifer got so drunk one night, uh, <laughs> left the bar by open. I mean, I did the paperwork, d- uh, deposited the sa- in the money in the safe, but left like all the lights on and then left the bar open. Without, Literally, without door unlocked. Anybody. Like you could just walk in there and steal fucking everything. Yeah, and then like I believe cleaning crew or somebody came in like at seven or fucking eight in the morning, and. It was fucking open. So then, sure enough, the office gets a call and everybody gets like, what, you know, what the fuck happened? <clears throat> yeah. And, but she was the one on duty. So, fuck. all of her paperwork get checked because I wouldn't trust her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And it no. need, you need to make sure that the chain of command is done properly so that you don't get fucked too. Like, if you were, if you're the yeah. nighttime bartender and they're questioning him, and if you didn't make sure the changeover from happy hour to nighttime was done properly, then it's like on you too. Right. So, you need to make sure that's done. Yeah. But we got a little off track. Going to Chili's. Chili's. So uh, it blew yeah. my mind that what you're about to say. Southwestern egg rolls. Yeah, southwestern egg rolls. So Chili's. Uh, Chili's is where I got my very first start at, or very first look at flair bartending. For I got hired as a server, but I had already been bartending, and the managers would actually come into Buffalo Wild Wings, and they kind of recruited me to come over. They said they're trying to pull you up. Yeah, yeah that said, happens come, all the time. Come do the server training. Uh, Take a month to to make some shifts. We'll give you badass shifts, um, and then we'll, we'll we'll jump you onto a bartender because they wanted to get rid of an, a, a bartender. Oh, and so, <laughs> so they like literally yeah. hunted you down and be normally, like, normally fucking hate this guy. Normally Come for the Chili's uh, Corporation, <laughs> it takes a while to become a bartender. You have to uh, go through server shifts and because um, they're corporate, yeah, and corporate, and you have to like kind of like pay your dues to, to yeah, get there. Actually, they're under the same company as Magianos. Oh, she worked yeah, for Magianos. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, we got the fifty percent discount card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Carabas too, I think. Anyways, um, so anyways, I I ended up becoming a bartender within like a month, and the bartending training video used to, it used to be a standard for the Chili's every Chili's bartender to have to learn how to do a tin flip, a one and a half tin flip um, with a shaker or the, with a tin, um, and that was a requirement in order to pass the test. And so every bartender had to do that. You had to be able to uh, pick up a tin and then scoop up some ice. And uh, they wanted to add a little bit of flair. That probably stems from the TGI Fridays Corporation. Big time. Because they're huge <clears throat> on flair. Uh, one of my very, very good friends, Fernando Soto, is a uh, uh, world finalist for TGI Fridays. And they take their flair bartending to a 
to a whole other level. Big fucking competition. Um, yeah, it's super popular. I know a lot of people don't know that because there's not very many TGIF Fridays around. And then, and but if y'all remember, like, 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 like 10 years ago, they would do tricks. Yeah. They would flare. Yeah, it's, and it's so funny that Chili's is like, those motherfuckers, we're doing flare too, fuckers. But he's never in Addison, Texas. Put it in the training. But at the time, I guess corporations were trying to take a little bit of a pull from that. So they made it a requirement for the bartender to learn a one and a half ten flip, which it's literally just one and a half right there. And every bartender had to learn how to do that. Wait, Lorenzo, can you do that again? It, it lagged. It lagged. I could try to do it a little slower. Ayo. <laughs> yeah? All right. What are you doing? Okay, so all you're doing is grabbing the, the shaker and moving your wrist this way and waiting for it to come up right there. But you're grabbing it here? Mm-hmm. The catch is like this. Oh, that's too much. A little too far. Ah, hey, much. that was it. There it is. There it is. Oh, yeah, so he could work at Chili's, right? Um, so there was that. Like a discount. And, and so that was the very first one. And then so Chili's used to have a ice bucket or an ice tub for beer. They wanted the whole backyard neighborhood experience. Um, and so when you would have to pull <laughs> out a beer from, uh, from the ice bin, you would have to do uh, a flip on it. And I can demonstrate with this guy. You would have to go like this. And then pop it open. With the beer? With the beer. And shake it up and be like, psh, it, bitch, it, it spring break. It doesn't really shake if you do it correctly, just like that. Really? Oh, yeah. like kind of let it uh, just, roll over your hand, your fingers? Time. Yeah, and I knew some pretty awesome bartenders that could just they could do two at a time. Like, boom, <laughs> and then snap them off. That's so fucking dope. Yeah, so that was the requirement for, uh, for Chili's. And that's where I got my first uh, look at Flair Bartending. I had no idea that there was competitions. I had no idea that people trained for this. I had no idea that this could be a career. I had, I was like a deer in, in headlights when I was working at Chili's. At the time, I didn't take it very seriously. I was uh, heavily sedated and uh, fighting my way <laughs> through addiction. Um, so uh, I can honestly say that when I said before that the bar can bring you everything, the bar has brought me everything. The bar saved my life. I um, had left working at Chili's after a few years and I got a job in McAllen, Texas. I always wanted to work in McAllen. I'm from the Rio Grande Valley. So if anybody knows the Rio Grande Valley, um, these guys know Brownsville really well, which is down a little bit further south. Um, and McAllen is a very, a more popular city. It's a little bit on the other side, to, uh, closer to the west. And I grew up in Donna, Texas, um, which is what they call the heart of the valley. Uh, right in the middle. So I was bartending at the time in Westaco, Mercedes area. I was actually bartending right by the outlets. So I dealt with a lot of international people, uh, which was interesting. But it worked in my favor that I knew Spanish. Um, oh, yeah, big time. So, yeah. But they just require a different type of service. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was up in the side track here. Um, the bar in Don and, or no, in McAllen. Right. So I, wanted to, I really wanted to work in McAllen. A big city in the valley right so didn't you say but why okay um i you I told me that you looked up sales at the time okay yeah, I, I need to backtrack a little bit at the time i was playing in a band uh fungi and my <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's badass <laughs> my cousin was did you have that tattooed on you yeah i have a tattooed on my arm right here fun i'm guy. a fun guy yeah that was a nice <laughs> uh mushroom experience hell yeah um but um my cousin our drummer at the time we, him and I went to this bar, London Pub, or London Bar and Grill in McAllen, Texas. Is it still open? It's still open, and it's still <clears> a, <throat> a fucking badass bar. Anytime no I go to the Valley, that's a must-stop. It's on the way in, so uh, I, always, I always give them a lot of love. They, uh, drive. Yeah, anyways, cool little 
full club. My cousin and I go to, uh, to London and we're having a beer, we're watching live music. And the guy behind the bar, big dude, twice my size, uh, heavy set, gray beard, is back there Keep going. doing this with the bottle. Just going back and forth with the bottle, back and forth like this. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there with my cousin and I can't take my eyes off this big old dude throwing this one bottle back and forth. And he's doing it so casually as he's talking to somebody and he pulls out his blade, his blade being a, a barky, a speed bottle yeah. opener, sorry. It's just a bar lingo. Uh, no. his blade, scratches off the TABC sticker. Look at that guy right there. So our bartender. <laughs> I think you moved in too much. Yeah, oh. I, have a, I have a nice, uh, funny flair video uh, we can add to this with Moose at Cloak and Dagger when he was there for our Halloween yeah. uh, one year. So we can add that to that. Um, so getting back to London, I was sitting there with my cousin and uh, I can't get my eyes off this guy doing this bottle thing. So we end our night and I go home and I take a glass bottle that I had, must have finished the night before or whatever. <laughs> nope, gotta <laughs> finish it. Gotta finish it. And uh, took some duct tape, duct taped the crap out of it. And I started doing that same motion back and forth. And I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. I can actually do this. I, so I've been, I'm, I'm a, I grew up skateboarding. So I skateboarded for shit. I want to say like 10 to 12 years. Um, I... I did that as a, as a kid. And for me, this flare bartending is almost the same thing, but with your hands. And it's that same kind of like, it's not foot eye, but hand eye coordination. Big time. And just like impressive and stage performance, really. Mm -hmm. I've been in performing since I was a kid. So, uh, I mean, theater, music, um, all of that. I think I feel this connection of like being on stage by doing this. Um, but that that all came from that one day where I saw Josh and I'm still very good friends with Josh. Um, and he is the one that actually inspired me to do that. I went home, I played with that bottle and I looked up this flare, uh, flare bartending videos and I didn't find any competition videos yet, but I did find this one video on YouTube, flarebartending.tv. And it, there is a hundred videos there and uh, it starts from number one. It shows you literally don't be afraid to drop and uh pick it up every time you do so that you actually i think that's one of the first things that orly and you told me mm -hmm. they're like try a trick i'm like no it's gonna be so loud they're like yeah just throw it on the fucking ground like you don't fucking care yeah because it's so loud and it's gonna it's so you're loud gonna drop it you're gonna yeah. make mistakes get over the that uh that break that wall uncomfortableness yeah of like playing playing when everyone's staring at you you're like hey anytime i teach anybody to, i tell them this is a comfortable space you know nobody's here to judge it's the same space <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, so I started watching these videos and then I just started learning them. There's a hundred videos. Um, and then, so eventually while I was working at Chili's and I had had this experience at London, I looked up. Uh, did you learn all hundred moves? I did actually. How long did it take you? Uh, a long time. It took me a while because I didn't have the right direction. Once I got the right direction, which I'm getting to with, uh, London and, uh, the bar, what the bar brings to me. Um, I eventually I was able to finish them because I got better, a better understanding. Sometimes you just need to. Oh, I, I told you what. Yeah. The right way yeah, I told and, you that too. And I'll get to that right now. I, um, I like I said, I wanted the job in the big city. I wanted to work uh, in McAllen. So I read the local newspaper. I actually read the local newspaper for quite a bit. Um, 
And I actually entered this cocktail competition that I found in the newspaper and I ended up winning my very first cocktail competition. I made a Valley lemon margarita and it was an uh, online thing, a total poll thing. It wasn't like I was super crafty or anything. Oh, but, it was online? Right. It was, it was like a online. So you submit the recipe and they're yeah, like, oh. Yeah, the recipe and it was through themonitor.com. And there it was, was through Modern? The, the Monitor. Oh. The Monitor, which is the local newspaper in that part of the Valley. That's dope. Um, and so I had won this little competition online and uh, I had looked up in the monitor, they had this, this article on the highest grossing uh, <clears throat> sale bars in the Valley. And the number one was London Bar and Grill already. So I made it a point to make a little resume, put that cocktail competition award under my, uh, under my belt. And I just walked in there one day and the owner was sitting at the bar <clears throat> As the first person that greeted me and said, hey, hi, how can I help you? And I just handed him my resume. I told him a little bit about myself and what I was trying to do. And he said, okay, uh, we'll be in contact with you. And I had already had a plan to go to several other bars right after that, but London was the first one. And I drove uh, to another bar. Um, I can't even remember what the, the name of the bar. But as I pulled up to the parking lot, I get a phone call from the owner and said, when can you start? And uh, I That's said, dope. I, yeah, I said, that was pretty quick. Yeah, I said, I can start right away. Um, and he's like, I need you tonight. So I thought I, that was, I thought that was super interesting that he said, he looked up the fucking bars that made the most money. He's like, there. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I want to be. He told me that. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I was like, that's I want to work. Yeah. That's where I want to work. I knew that they were bringing in a lot of money. It was a cool ass fucking bar. It'll make you it's money. Like, it'll make you food, better. And you'll learn yeah. music, everything that I wanted at the time. You that's know? dope. And at the time, like I said, I was like in this, I, this mode where I just want to, work and party and make money to just do have enough for the night and fuck tomorrow live for today you know what i mean that was my mentality i've always had this real like punk rock mentality of just fuck it and that all changed when i was working one day at london and one of our liquor reps comes in and sampling out liquor and we're all you know one of the perks of the job is that you get to taste booze before other people get to do that and you get that and you get that through liquor reps yeah um and so tastes a lot of nasty yeah, shit too. I happen to overhear. <laughs> so you're like, this sucks. I don't fucking <laughs> no, want yeah. this. Most Get times, it out of here. Yeah. S'mores vodka. Oh, or, yeah. yeah. Some nasty yeah. shit. Uh, so I end up overhearing uh, this liquor rep telling our manager like, oh, there's this bartending competition going on in Brownsville. Uh, I was like, I don't know. They're doing flair. And <clears> I, <throat> I hear this and uh, I tell her, well, what, what's going on? Can I have some information on this? Like I've been practicing flair. Um, and I really want to learn more. And so she gives me uh, the number to my very good friend, my, who I consider my number one flair mentor, Mariano Gill. Yeah, so- Mariano, I, Nano, I right? Up, That's what they yeah, call him, Nano I Man. Up, I end up getting Nano's phone number and I message this guy right away. And he tells me, oh, we're having a showcase. <laughs> What's up, bro? Can yeah. I, uh... What's up? What's <laughs> up, dude? No, I just, I didn't said, like I got your number <laughs> <laughs> I flare, you flare, we flare. We all flare together. Um, so I just ended up texting him. Like, took a, I took a long shot, and he's he ends up telling me, "Look, we're having a showcase. It's not a competition. You're more than welcome to come. If you feel like you want to put on a performance, you're more than welcome to. Uh, just let me know." So at the time, I had been learning with my buddy John um, some flare back and forth. We went through those videos and tried to learn them together as much as possible. Which uh, is. Let me say this, super, okay. I'm sure some people pick it up and it's awesome, 
But what I, what you touched on earlier was about teaching. You can't learn everything through a video. That's like a, I bought a, a fiddle. Fucking, I had a friend that was going to teach me to learn how to play. I bought it. The next month, she moved to Houston. <laughs> you can't learn how to play on fucking YouTube. There's no friends. There's, it's hard, okay? Well, Some yeah, shit you can't just learn. No, definitely. Yeah. So you like, can only you go so far. You can learn how to bartend just by going to bartend. That's school. true. Well, we'll talk you about that. You have to really do it. Yeah. Um, Sorry. You and John were going through the videos. Anyways, yeah, so my buddy John and I had been going through these videos, and I told him, like, hey, dude, you want to you wanna put on a little show? He said we could do a minute or two. And so we both start practicing. And we had a little, quite a bit of time to practice. I think it was like three to four months of like little practice time. But like I said, no guidance so far. It's just YouTube videos and watching Josh throw this one thing back and forth. But then had you, had you seen other shit on YouTube? Like, holy yeah, fuck. Yeah, I, I, mean, okay. I started watching other stuff. And then I did start seeing competitions now that I had heard about them. I ended up looking up uh, flare bartending competitions. I was like, Oh my! Blew your mind. This is so. Which, cool. if y'all have not ever seen one, we'll throw a clip on there right now of like Lorenzo on stage at a competition. Definitely, they are fucking so much fun. They're fucking insane. The biggest. We'll talk about those. Yeah, the coolest thing. Yeah. What we live for. Holy shit, those are fun. Yeah. So we end up uh, doing this showcase uh, in Brownsville, Texas. I live. Uh, John and I lived in the Mid Valley. Brownsville is about forty-five minutes to an hour to get there. So we drive over there and we get to the, the, the bar. That's what the bar is called. The bar. I love uh, it. The bar. I didn't know one get that before that. That's fucking I amazing. I love it. You Google the bar or the like bar. bar, boom, first one shows up. Google search first Dude, one. It's the That's bar. fucking Where are you going money. to? The bar. Yeah. That's like, uh, like cool what it's named. Isn't there a bar called The Watering Hole? And I think that's yeah. a yeah. brilliant yeah. bar name. I was like, God. There, there are some good ones. There's some damn good ones. The place or there's the, the friendly spot. The I office. like that one. The library. I the like library. that one. In Austin. Yeah. yeah. When I open a bar, if I'm ever a part of it, you know, my dream, my dream is to have like fucking a whole bunch of aquariums. It'd be like aquatic oh, thing or beach themed. And I'd either call it the bar? aquarium. Can you make yeah. a bar and aquarium? That is super difficult for a couple reasons. You can do it, but then what you really worry about is I'm a drunk asshole. What about the back bar? Hitting the bar. Behind the bar is the spot to have it. I tried to convince uh, our boss, uh, Carlos, to get a, I was going to take a, put a saltwater little mini reef in our bar. And he's like, I don't know if that owner wants like animals Animals. in here. I was like, okay, that's cool. If Uh, I did one. No, I did the guy who did uh, the aquarium tattoos in his tattoo shop. He had a, Aquarium built in. I remember when we talked so about that. So you just sit there and like look at these fish. You're getting tattooed. <clears throat> super, super. So cool. it'd be the aquarium, we drink like fish. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be ironic because I don't drink <laughs> or anymore. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so the showcase. Okay, yeah, back to the showcase. Sorry, so you have like three, four months, right? I'm getting sidetracked. Yeah, three or four months of like practice, like as best as we could, right? And we dedicated ourselves to wake up and like, I'd show up to his house and, and do, do some stuff. I think I have a video of me doing uh, like early stuff in the back of his like aunt's house and this dirt. Okay, so it's, two, uh, it's 2020. How long ago was this? What year was this? This was seven years ago, okay, 2013. Shit. All right. And so <clears throat> whatever, we practice, we go to the bar. Uh, and you walk in and there's a stage and these guys are walking around with RGV bar stars on their shirts. And already I'm like super intimidated. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a portable bar. They came in stage. like dodgeball. 
<laughs> oh shit, these guys are for real. Oh, laser, laser, Michelle. You know, uh, we were John and I were just like trying to figure it out on our own, and nobody really did that in the, in our area. So it was, it was like, a tandem, or were you all together on no, stage? No, we just so you both got to go. Okay, so cool. the way it worked out is that I went first, and John went right after me, and we both had a minute and a half routine. And then the guys were going to go after us. It's a long time for your first time. I feel like. Right. So whatever. I'm like super nervous before I take a little shot and then it comes time. It's like, Hey, we're going to let these guys show you guys what's up. These guys are from uh, Western Texas. And they say three, two, one, go. And I'm like, I just fucking froze, dude. Like I, like I said, I've been performing for a long time. I have been, I don't have very much stage fright. But the only time that I am nervous is when I'm not prepared. And even though I had practiced, this was all very new to me. Yeah. And yeah. so whatever, I fucking start moving and then just like doing the, for me, like the simplest, dumbest things ever. Like I, at the end, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, at the end, I got a cup or I got a shaker, put some ice in it, threw it up and caught it back down. And then I cheered <laughs> for myself when I did it. <laughs> It was okay, that's awesome. Whatever I needed that embarrassment. You need, to, yeah. Like, get me into it. You need to pop your chair. Like, you need to make a fool of yourself. So you're like, okay. So I go on first. Not gonna happen again. I get off stage. I take a shot. I drink a beer, and I get to watch the rest of the show. My buddy John goes up, and actually, John did pretty good. He did everything he wanted. He's like, well, shit, Lorenzo already fucked up. Yeah, I'm I can't good, do any worse. Not what I do. <laughs> right. It's a lot of pressure, man. You know what? When I uh, worked with you in Orlando. I think you and Orly try to convince me so hard to do the semi-pro, like the amateur. You should have practiced, man, because a lot of these guys that are throwing or doing semi-pro, especially here in Texas, I, I sorry guys, but you should practice more. And oh, yeah. it, it's it's a shame that you don't, because the talent could could be there if you dedicate the time. But priorities are turned turned otherwise. And I get it; some of you have families and shit, but so a lot of you don't. So, uh, but he, shit, and during quarantine, yeah, right now, yeah, COVID, you have so much time to yeah, practice. See, any artist, anything, music, through. writing, art, anything yeah. that you're into, you should be developing time. Definitely, I mean, Bobby and I have been dedicating, uh, kidding ourselves during this quarantine to just doing something every day to get better. Read, practice, run, walk, do something. So I think that's definitely important. Um, back to the story. Um, I end up going on, John ends up throwing a good round, and then these RGV bar stars uh, go on. Um, if I can remember their names, it was Freddy Torres, Alex Stanton, Jose Casas, Dave Steinmeier, uh, who lives in Austin now, Orlando Lomelli, uh, and Mariano Gill. And, and I believe they went in. At, that's how he met Orly. This is the very first time I met Orlando Lomelli. Orly, I love you. He's my friend of me, and I'm, I've, to, I've told him this story personally. We were drunk in Orlando, Florida, when I told him this story. <laughs> really? Yeah, of all places. And I think I think he'll remember when I told him this. Um, I these guys end up going on, and uh, Freddie does a great job. At Alex, they all do a great job, and then Orly comes on. Orly at the time, seven years ago, was like super young, super super young, and already like even now he still looks super. Like, he, he looks really good for his age. He's super young, you know? Yeah, I feel like really he's really going to He must have been, like, 21. Um, yeah. But, dude, this kid goes on and, like, fuck, he can throw. And, like, super smooth, to the B, big old smile. He just looked like this superstar on stage. And for me, I was like, wow, like, I want to do that. 
Like that's super fucking cool. I feel like really especially he has like such a persona that he can put on for he's crowd. a natural cool. entertainer. Yeah. He's a natural entertainer. Yeah, that's a good he's way to say it. He's a natural bartender. Yeah. Uh he's just got that charisma, you know, he he can draw a crowd in really, so really well. So that's the first time you were like you had seen something that good in person. In person. Because you're like, oh shit, yeah. I want to do and it's, that. And it's yeah. this guy. They told me he lives in San Antonio. And oh, he was already living here. And he was already living. Oh no, shit! Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know might, that. He might have seven years ago. So I don't, I don't know how old he is. He's like 28, 28, around there. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Anyways, I didn't know that. So then Mariano goes, and Mariano throws this crazy show. Mariano had just won. He's so good. The Houston Open and won a thousand dollars. So I looked friended Mariano on Facebook and he had this big old picture with a big Hell old yeah. check said a thousand dollars on it. Mariano Gill flair bartending. Hey, what, is, what do they say in semi-pro? They won't cash my check. You got to take it to a big <laughs> check bank, big check bank, man. You, you got to take it to a big, big check. For the, with the big deposit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's what I wanted. I saw these guys in like this glory of like bartending stardom. You know what I mean? And they finished their night and I end up ordering a shot, a round of shots for the party that I was with. Well, Orly ends up going to the back of the bar. The RGV bar stars were taking turns uh, running one well at the bar for this showcase night. It was more of a marketing thing that Nano threw together. Nano's Super smart. Genius. Yes, he is. Uh, yes, he amazing. is. Um, but Orly goes behind the bar and he gets on Dave Steinmeier's shoulders, on his shoulders, and he does a waterfall, um, a multi-pour. And if anybody, if you guys don't know what a waterfall multi-pour is, uh, it's where you stack up several shakers. Why don't we just, you'll do it later and we'll put the video in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll, it's we'll, when they have a whole bunch of cups and they have a stack of them and they go whoop and it pours pour all perfectly into it. Time. Super flashy. Looks, but, yes, looks fucking awesome. Uh, fucking dope. Early, the first time I ever got a- On flare, someone's shoulders, that's a fucking baller. The first time I ever got an order from the bar with flair was Orlando and Dave Steinmeier. And Orly was on his shoulders doing this amazing multi-pour. So, of course, we fucking throw money at him. And we're just like, yeah, fuck yeah. Make it rain, bitch. Yeah, so <laughs> I ended up uh, staying in contact with Nano. And I messaged him, I want to say, the next day. And I said, hey, man, any chance you can give me some lessons? And he said, yeah. He, without hesitation, he said, yes. You just have to come to Brownsville. And so we set it up, I think, for like, it was like a week or two later. And both John and I went over there to Brownsville, drove our asses over to Nano's. Uh, at the time, it was like an apartment with a garage. And he had uh, bar mats on the floor. And he's like, fuck it, let's go. I remember the first time I went to, I think, Orly and Rodrigo's house. And I saw someone's garage. Like a flare, three or four flare bartenders lived there at the time. Yeah. Orly, Rod, Christian. Take our garage is very serious. Yeah, all bar mats, like all designed badass. Oh, so many vitals. Yes, but like I've seen other. I was like, oh, that's dope. That's yeah. how they practice. It's their fucking studio. Submit them and stuff. So. Their workout studio. Yeah. Yeah. Looks but, dope. But definitely, like uh, in my. In, in this case, Mariano just opened up his garage and had these mats set up. And it was just like, he had like baby stuff there. And like, he's just like, all right, let's just. Makes you better. Going. You got to dodge the, yeah. dodge the crib. <clears throat> the very first thing that I wanted Nano to show me, I was just like, well, how do you guys make it look so smooth? I couldn't figure out how they made it like so fluid. And it looked like they were Because you do one move and, like, and then you're like, next move. Yeah. When yeah, you first trans, start, you're, you're, for you're, sure. You know, you'll be like. Uh, That's choppy as shit. Like, you're thinking, and they're like, okay, over here, and then like uh, over here. Especially when you're like 
catch something, you're like, oh, the grip. Yeah. Then the grip. And then this. Like, so yeah. Mariano taught me this one move that changed everything. It's called the swipe through. It's when you take a bottle and throw a tin over, and we'll throw a clip on there a little later. Um, and literally with like almost every routine that you see in the professional level, in the semi-pro level, that the swipe through is done for transition moves to make fluidity. And when I learned this move and I spent a couple hours with Mariano at the, at his garage, I went home that day and I practiced all fucking night. I ended up getting into this like mindset to where like, I want to get good. Yeah. And then Mariano tells me about TFBC, the Texas Flair Bartending Challenge in San Antonio. That <laughs> TFBC, Flair Bartending, Meeting Nano, that all came from the bar. I can honestly say, saved my life. <clears throat> I was at a point where I had hit rock bottom, struggling with addiction. And I didn't want to go to rehab. I didn't want to do any of that. And I got addicted to this. And I, I don't know how I did it, but I snapped one day and I never touched any of those substances ever again. I mean, that's the slow weed, but. <laughs> Weed's organic. It's from the weed's earth. Or, weed's organic. It's not a manipulated, but, yeah, bad drug. But for controlled substances, I just never touched them again. And I, um, I got into flare bartending and I would wake up at eight in the morning after getting out of work at three, four in the morning sometimes, sleep for two or three hours and wake up with this energy to get out into the garage. Is that, you said it saved your life and it, it, you beat addiction through it. Was it because you said you got addicted to flare and bartending or was it because you couldn't, put in the time and practice and get better while doing all that shit. You're like, I can't it would have become never, this if I'm still doing this. It would have never happened if I, if I was doing that. But that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. that why you're like, I can't be doing this stupid shit if I really want to do this? Yeah. I just hit rock bottom. I just uh, got into, into trouble with the law and I, I had this like eye-opening experience. This flare bartending thing found me at the right time. And it's like crazy how like, it, I don't know, coincidence, but it was just good timing. And I ended up just like from one day to the next dropping it like that. And I'm super proud to say that it's been about that long since I have touched it. And I, I dedicated, or I, I give thanks to the fact that I was able to set myself in a mindset to get up every day and practice sometimes eight, 10, 14 hours a day. I'm not kidding. That's not a joke. And you fucking told me some of yeah, some I, I, ridiculous. When hours. I first started flare bartending and I learned these, how to make these connections, how to make these swipe throughs, how to build a routine with what Nano taught me in two or three hours, two or three hours made a, a whole, gave me a whole other perspective in the world. And I applied that to my practice and I learned about TFBC, right? So he tells me about TFBC, TFBC, Five is coming up. I was just going to ask which one it was. TFBC five, the very first TFBC I competed in was coming up. And TFBC, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, you should look up some YouTube videos. There's yes. some awesome. So TFBC is put on by a bar. She was actually created for uh, my old boss. Carlos created it and made this competition. At one point, I always get this wrong. It stands for Texas Flair Bartending Competition. Challenge. Challenge. I'm sorry. Um, 
but it was what? what it was such a big deal it wasn't just like hey Santonio has their own little thing it's a big no, fucking competition in the bartending community not just flair bartending but <clears throat> bartending community tfbc at the time was the biggest uh price, price pool, pool right in, uh, in the united states in the united states as far as flair bartending goes. over competitions in vegas miami dallas new york built a, a bigger price pool here huge competition they ha- used to have it What's there up? are like international competitors too that come though. Right? At a certain point when they got to money, uh, we were talking about that the other night, then people started flying over. Because yeah. they're like, oh shit, I can win 10 grand? Fucking I'm going over there. Yeah, That's I mean, amazing. Flair bartending uh, internationally is a much bigger deal than it is in the United States. Isn't that because it originated over there? So we didn't catch on to it till like 10 years later. So we were, la- someone told me that that it started over there and that so because we didn't catch on to it we're like 10 years behind and so some of the stuff is so they've been doing it. i don't know someone told me that i i'm not sure and i don't i want to i need to look up some uh flare bartending history i am not even positive where flare bartending started i know that uh we used to we the very first cocktail book ever uh created by jerry thomas there's an image of him throwing these cocktails back and forth. So for me, that's the very first image of Flair. And that's super and old. It's just a sketch. Yeah. But uh, as far as like competitive, I don't know where it originated. Mm. I do know for a fact, and I don't know, this might just be a theory of mine. Um, a lot of the European countries, uh, Asian countries, didn't see prohibition. Um, so a lot of American bartenders flew off over there and they learned a lot of stuff over there and it, they never stopped learning and progressing mm. for those 10 to 12 years. Maybe that's where you're getting that conception from. No, I don't know. But someone told I, me that. I'm not positive. No, someone's told me that. Not even a, like, yeah. I think that someone's yeah. told me that. And I was like, oh, oh, I wonder if that's true. Yeah, but definitely flair bartending is a huge thing in, um, in Europe. Those Europeans are yeah, fucking amazing. Can, some of those guys that are the best, uh, the best in the world are superstars in their country. You're talking about Russia, Romania. Uh, Belgium, Italy, yeah. London. These guys are on television over there doing uh, similar to Food Network stuff, but with cocktails in those countries. Yeah. So I mean, there's plenty of things that could be done. Yeah, but over there in a lot of those countries, alcohol isn't abused like we abuse oh, it here in the United no, States, no, and it's actually a part of their like. Culture. Yeah. Every everyone at the table in the family has wine with dinner. Like they drink, you know, drinking's they're more responsible. Definitely. So I just looked it up. And like at first glance, where did flair bartending originate? And there were two main answers. The first one was Jerry Thomas, who like is the creator of bartending, like in general. And then it said he got bored eventually. But then it says that in 1986, TGI Friday's management encouraged their bartenders to show their personalities behind the bar. And this resulted in several bartenders, a few being John Bandy, John Misball, and Magic Mike being sent to the corporate TGI Friday's office in Texas to shoot a bartending video. Yeah, and John Bandy is the guy who trained um, Tom Cruise for the movie Cocktail. Yes. Yeah, it says that. Which, by the way, guys, if Flair, um, a lot of people, when they hear Flair, that's the first fucking thing. You oh, hear. yeah. Uh, oh, cocktail, Tom oh Cruise. I love, <laughs> I love doing Flair, but it is, we are notorious for that. Anytime, it's really funny, though, when someone says that, they're like, oh, like a cocktail, but then they see what you do, and like, yeah. that's not like it's, cocktail. It's that's nice. not, that's something different. <laughs> that's like, a wizard. Ever? I would tell my friends, like, oh, my brother and, like, his friend bartenders, they do, like, flair bartending. They're like, what the fuck is flair bartending? I'm like, look it up. 
if you've never been to a bar, I'll show them videos. Also, this is people her age. Freaking cool. They probably haven't even seen cocktail. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I've never, I've never seen that. I've never seen cocktail. Came out the year I was born. Yeah, I've never seen that movie. Is it good? Yeah, it's old. Yeah, you should definitely watch it. It's this uh, all American story. Doesn't someone die at the end? The guy all coked up on the boat. Way to ruin it. Does he die? Right, his friend. No, man, he shows up at the end uh, at his bar. Shit. And like, asks, <laughs> asks for a red eye. I don't know. I think uh, maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. Maybe I'm thinking. Of, yeah, I have to. I have, like I said, I've only seen it a couple times, and that's as far as I want to take it. <laughs> but, but honestly, that that movie sparked a lot of uh, oh, big time. the flair bartending culture so probably yeah. like a lot of attention to it like people who had been oh, definitely it and then yeah it was a fucking movie yeah. that produced by hollywood be, yeah doesn't want to be like tom cruise on the screen throwing badass bottles around making money yeah having women throwing i mean that's just yeah. every it's just all american dream <laughs> yeah. well that's like i have but no i do bartending was even a thing obviously i was underage when I was in high school when like you started working at Cloak and I was introduced to Flair like around the same time you were because you told me about it but other than that like none of my friends had heard of it and even to this day like if I mention Flair bartending they're like oh where they like flip the bottles and I'm like they don't just like flip bottles okay like it's really mm-hmm. badass <laughs> That's okay. if you've never seen when you see someone good it's different it's funny that <clears throat> my first real introduction to flair okay i had i had been going to boston pub and uh carlos lomelli worked there and he is like i i've heard people call him like the godfather of texas flair definitely he like he's developed and started it here for, and brought for, a lot of shit here for flair so carlos, in the is, States. <clears throat> carlos is orly orlando's older brother older brother older so brother. it's yeah not just coincidence that orly is good he learned from his brother, that was yeah, fucking and awesome. And he started playing when he was like sixteen because his brother was already doing it, yeah. and he went and competed, oh. and he went everywhere. So I would go to this bar all the time and hang out, and, and <clears throat> got to be friendly with him. And he's like, "Dude, my company, actually me, I created it, put on a huge flare bartending competition." And Orly at the time was like bar back, you know, either bar backing or working there. And I would see them all the time. I was like, "That's fucking cool." So the first time I went to a flare competition was TFBC yeah. five where he went for his first com- big competition Wait, at, at Miami bar. Yeah. Of course I didn't know yeah. him and I don't we remember. Just actually okay. found this out. We just figured it out the other day. I told him the story the other day. Uh, and this gets back to me getting to TFBC five. Yeah. Uh, so, and actually we didn't meet there, no. but he was just uh, there for my ex's uh, birthday. No, I rented a back VIP section. I could see the whole stage and I watched it the next year. I got a section in the front. But yeah, I just went to go see it. I was like, I knew Orly, I knew Carlos, I knew some of the other people, but I didn't know any of the Flair community, anything about yeah. it. Just so, to see it for the first time, I was like, oh shit, this is something else. Hell yeah. So super dope. Once Mariano told me about uh, TFBC5, he put me in contact with Carlos. And right away, I sent him a message. I signed up. I paid my registration fee. Uh, signed up for semi-pro Flair bartending. <laughs> uh, and it's a three-minute round. Um, three minutes? Three minutes on stage. And that was uh, for qualifying and for finals. What's that? Is that like how long routines are? Oh, those are for just semi-pro. Uh, for the professional level, uh, qualifying is usually five minutes to four minutes. 
and finals go anywhere from six to seven. The world finals, uh, the grand final is eight minutes long. That's so long. That's so long. Which, it by the way, guys, I know we're going to throw a lot of videos in this podcast, but uh, a competition for someone who doesn't understand what it is, they, what they do is they're sponsored by certain companies. So let's just, for example, say Bacardi and Grey Goose. Let's just fucking say that. Well, then it's whatever organization puts it on with the sponsors, they develop like your round. So he said a three minute round, you need to make four drinks. No, let's say two mixed drinks, open a beer and a shot. Yeah. For TFPC, it was pour a shot, open a beer and two mixed drinks. And uh, at the time it was Tuaka, uh, Deep Eddie. Jack Fire. Jack Fire. Yeah, was the there, shot. I was drinking the shit yeah, out of that. Was the shot. And uh, you had to use Red Bull in one of them also. So when they do the actual, like, their round on stage, it's like, go. Okay, well, they have three minutes to make those four things he named. But then it's through his own creativity and routine to make it. And, and that's how they do it. Throw a bunch of shit around with style. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, when you're saying, oh, like, my round, a three-minute round, they see throwing and like people that don't understand it they see bottles in the air but they're like what's the point well they're actually making drinks with the shit they're throwing in the air yeah, you're yeah. using that shit and then oh you spilled it deduction oh that broke deduction oh you didn't garnish this drink there are very technical rules and it's a list of like points structured right and so they're the, the judges the two competing on stage what's that doesn't it matter like the composition of the drink like if you made it correctly or like well well, well what i could say about that is that at the time at that point we were at a transitional stage in flair bartending where they felt that it wasn't just enough to just throw the bottles around, pour some vodka and some Red Bull into a drink and call it a day and call you a great flair bartender or bartender in general. Right. The past two to th or three to four years, I want to say the rules have changed. There has been more appreciation to the craft to the what they call relevance of what you're doing behind the bar does it make sense that you picked up three bottles and then you only poured with one mm -hmm. a jack and coke and you, other, <laughs> and you put the other two down exactly it doesn't yeah. you know you want to be able to incorporate all three of those bottles into the routine and accurate and and into the recipe as it as it requires nowadays we're seeing what's called the 50 50 comps where it's literally 50 percent of your score goes to your cocktail and 50% comes from your flair. Um, Which I think that I like it like that. That's I, way harder. It makes you, that's like, because there's there's craft bartenders and there's flair bartenders. There's not, I mean, there are a lot of both, but it's not everyone. Right. And so when you, if you can win a competition like that, that means you're the best. Yeah, and I think with that being said, uh, a lot of bartenders in general like to classify the flair bartender or the mixologist or I'm a speed bartender. Um, if I were to give a, a ultimate um, message of what I like, how I want to portray myself as a bartender, how I want to be known as a bartender, what drives me to learn about everything is to be well-rounded, to be good at all parts of of the craft. Is there's a, you're more like a tool, as a, like a chef. You need to work a station. You need to be able to work a station at any bar. You need to be able to be knowledgeable. And you'd be able, you need to be able to not bullshit your way through it. Yeah. And that's where the difference comes into play um, with level of service and uh, dedication to, to the craft. Um, well, I think you know that you have a lot of dedication to the craft. Oh, yeah. 
definitely. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how many people work at craft bars that that don't give a shit, and then it reflects yeah. in all the drinks, and then it reflects in like a reflect on the name of the the name of the the bar, it reflects on everything. They're like, man, there's sometimes people that would come into like cloak, <clears throat> and they're like, first off, I did not fucking know there's a mixology bar on this side of town. Secondly, uh, this is the best fucking old fashioned I've had in whatever five years. Yeah. 10 years like they'll be like this is amazing why and they're like it's not that fucking hard but it is really easy to mess it up mm-hmm. well yeah so there's like i know that there's people that um like the bar has hired where they're nowhere near you mean jennifer tilly caliber. yeah for example for example <laughs> jenny over there so like her old-fashioned is gonna taste a whole lot fucking different than lorenzo's old-fashioned because she doesn't have the same like passion and pride like in her work, like if you love or, what you do, then you're not working. You actually enjoy doing it, and you have even the even the knowledge that it takes to go into the process of making it. I mean, you'd be surprised on the. Well, that's someone's that willingness. That's someone's unwillingness to even learn, though. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you don't have to know our shit. There's a lot of times that uh, good craft bars will do like okay, which I didn't. I wasn't aware of this until I started working uh, at Cloak or when we opened the bar. Um, a lot of the craft bars they like to do instead of like there's a bar back and a bartender and sometimes they're like those lines will never be crossed like you'll never become one you're just a bar back well in a lot of the craft bars what I saw with y'all was they would take you're like yeah you're bar back but it's more of a bar apprenticeship to learn directly in a good relationship working relationship with the bartender to become a bartender I was like oh that's totally fucking different than most I go to, I mean, I don't want to like fast Eddie's and walk in there. There's a bar back. That guy is not making He's, old fashions, bro. Like he doesn't give a shit to make them. So like the bartenders would come to cloak and be like, look, sometimes you worked at another craft bar and they have their own way of doing things. You need to clean that slate and learn this way, right? You're here now. So everyone makes it the same. That's but if you have no fucking, you're like, I'm not learning. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Well, but then come that, on. That mentality is just yeah, like, here, Jennifer. create a nuisance. Um, you need to be able to follow the recipes as they are. I mean, they're just recipes. A chef will do the same thing. They'll go from restaurant to restaurant and they'll make their bolognese over here one way and they'll make their bolognese over here another way because that's what the chef required. What would the head chef do if a fucking cook was making it wrong because he liked the fucking salad this way instead? Oh, I don't like juniper. I like this. So I've been putting this in it. Bitch, that's not what the fucking recipe says. Get the fuck out of my kitchen. Get out of here. It's a slap to the face. And... It's the same kind of way with like uh, anybody who's in head bartending position, uh, bar management position, creating menus and training. Um, when you apply training, and then nothing is nothing is done about it. I think nowadays mm. I've had a good mentality on how I train my bartenders, um, but in the past I have seen where a bartender thinks because I showed him a garnish one way that he thinks this garnish is better that it needs to be served that way. And uh, by all means, I'm up for, I'm open for suggestions if they make sense and if they work, but if they're obnoxious and if they are costing us money, um, we're definitely not going to do them. So, and consistency is key with any of this. You want to be able to make sure that you get the same thing, like you were saying, from Jenny to Bobby to myself and Orlando, the the same cocktail all the way around. Um, But some bartenders just don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of them do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But a lot of them do. So well, with that being said, like a job, whereas for you guys it was a career. Like that's what you guys do, and that's what you guys really enjoy doing. Yeah. yeah. At some point, right? you just some have to decide. Like, just 
just get me through the day, like, and give me some money. Yeah, I told, <laughs> I told, I asked Lorenzo, what was his reason for jumping um, from just speed bartending to craft? What was your reason? Uh, I don't remember what I said. No, but no, what is your reason? <laughs> um, honestly, I wanted to stop bullshitting my way through it. I had a guy come into the bar one day and he asked me for a Manhattan and I didn't know how to fucking make it. And I felt like a piece of shit. Like, but so that's why you wanted to go work in craft bars. That's why I wanted to start learning about <clears throat> craft cocktails, and I started making cocktails at London and trying to change—not change, but add a little bit of uh, craft flavor. And that's where I got started to get a little bit of a name uh, for me. Um, but then I, I ended up landing a job at uh, the Quarter. Uh, it was a New Orleans-style uh, restaurant or a kitchen, a little bit more elevated, but they did craft cocktails. And they had a hundred and I don't know how many craft beers. Um, but the guy that was running the program, Luis Martinez, um, he was the guy that he's like, showed me the way. He said, take these 30 classics and learn them, master them. Then once we apply that to the menu, you'll be able to make our menu correctly every single time because you know portions, you know formulas, you know how to apply that in the middle of service. And that's where I really got my chops into learning about craft cocktails and really mastering the craft because once you learn the formula once you learn the recipe it's very easy to create once you start substituting ingredients here and there and now you have this whole new concoction that you can call your own but you're not reinventing the wheel you're just turning the wheel right you know what i mean yeah yeah so um i so, did hmm. i i mean i've taken this mentality of stop bullshitting my way and i applied that to flare bartending and flare bartending i was doing right before i started learning about craft um, and at the same time, it just kind of became this obsession. When I wasn't in the garage practicing, I was inside uh, on my phone reading up recipes, or I was at work making cocktails, serving them, fucking them up. You know what I mean? Fucking them up. Yeah, I have fucked up a lot of cocktails. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's oh, trial and error, sure. man. It's yeah, you're trial right. and error. Until you find a reliable recipe. Because if you're just looking shit up on the internet and it says a hundred different ways, yeah, you're right. You have to find a reliable, find a reliable source, recipe. but it is also trial and error. I remember when I went from serving to bartending at the restaurant I used to work at. Uh, shout out to Two Step. Oh shit, they're closed now. Yeah, dude. Well, it's crazy. Yeah, COVID hitting a lot of. Um, if you're not corporate, they don't have the money to stay open. Um, and then Carlos said he 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 was going to open up a new cocktail bar. Don't want to do cocktail mixology and i was like um i don't know really anything about that i like drinking good shit but i mean i don't i don't know and hold on i'm sorry scotch scotch get i saw you um i'm leaving that in <laughs> <laughs> literally the only reason why because i was like okay if i'm gonna bartend and then i'm gonna leave a restaurant bar and go to a bar bar what kind of bar do i want to work at I don't want to fucking work at no dive ratchet ass fucking bar. <laughs> That's, That's just like antisocial. The only reason why I went into craft because I wanted to work at like a nice place and make better money. I was like, I'm not gonna go. I know there's bars that they fucking hustle and they're slammed and they're slinging two three dollar drinks and they're banking, but they are Again, running maybe a fifty cent tip or a dollar tip. It, quantity, not quality, for them. That's not me. I can't, I'll do. I might be a dick and uh, might be not be your best friend at the bar and ask you how your day's going, but I'll give you a great fucking drink. Solid. <laughs> like, here you go. I'm out. You can definitely not I feel like a huge um, motivator for you was you like to fucking dress up. You love to dress. Oh, up. 
well, you, my mistake when I first started working there was I, I would wear all my really nice shit. And it would get stained, but yeah. You don't wear your good but yeah, behind the ball. If I, if I have to lessen my interaction with people by going to a craft place and then equal in money, like it's fucking perfect. Oh yeah. That's literally the only reason why. I'm Honestly, like the easiest <laughs> money, the easiest You just have to really know what you're fucking doing yeah. and it's Let's awesome, amazing. Well, and that's the thing, like bartending, like people can shit on bartending all they want as like a job or a career, but it really is a science. Like there is a knowledge base there that you have to understand like alcohol and liquors and like flavors and you have to have such a wide range of like a palette to be able I never to thought and, and create a yeah. good fucking drink. I never thought uh, really about it that in depth until I started reading up on it. When Carlos was like, well, it's going to be open in a few months, start studying. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll just fucking read it. I was like, oh, it's, it's just as complex as cooking. Like all the ingredients to understand palates and your taste buds and what pairs well with, to, with each other and why this recipe's been around for fucking a hundred years because it works. works. Don't fuck with, you know, like, yeah. 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 I would get mad at people all the time, but look, I'm blunt. That's the way God rolled me. Okay. I'm blunt. That's yeah. the way God rolled uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's literally why I got into crap. Okay. So Back to how the, did TFPC five? So TFPC five, um, like I said, I was learning cocktails and stuff. They had a cocktail competition and a flavor bartending competition. So I signed up for both. Oh, I remember It was that. like yeah. out of the blue. And so um, I actually remember the cocktail I made. It was a hibiscus old-fashioned, like this little take on an old-fashioned. Butchered it. <laughs> it did horrible. But for the flavor bartending, um, my goal was like, I just want to get be as good or if not beat Orlando. And I made it my goal to fucking – practice and you know blood sweat and tears literally every single day to practice 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 and i found some music i put a little routine together came up to san antonio um ended up making finals in fourth position there was five of us that went into finals and uh orly qualified in third i qualified in fourth and uh we made it to finals so i'm at finals and the tfpc stage Lights hitting you. That place would get fucking packed, bro. It was at Miami Bar, which is off of like uh, uh, 410 in San Pedro. Blanco area. Blanco, yeah. yeah. It's by North Star Mall and all that shit. But huge uh, Alamo Draft House. That's where it is. A club uh, normally. Yeah, it's fucking huge. It's a club. Exactly. Yeah, it's a club. And normally. it's for TFBC since it's uh, in the same company of all the other bars that we uh, worked for. It was the perfect venue. It was, yeah. And I don't even know the capacity of that place. Oh, like 500. Really, I don't know. And then with the other bar next to it. And day. super, yeah, connected. It was Miami bar, and then they had another bar connected in a hallway, uh, Key West, mm -hmm. Key West Cove, before they turned Boston. Yeah, so huge place. Fucking the huge. TFPC stage was, like, super intimidating. But oh, I yeah, because y'all are, like, way up there, yeah, too. And then you have, like, these legends uh, judging you. At the time, mm. uh, my judges were Vladimir Birinov, a legend from, I, I want to say Russia, but it might be the Ukraine. I could be butchering that. Uh, and Danilo Oribe, uh, who's from Uruguay, and one of my favorite flair bartenders of all time. Uh, Josh Nemero, who is a San Antonio flair bartender. Josh is legend. fucking badass. Shout out to Josh. Yeah, shout out to Josh Nemero, uh, one of the very first flair bartenders from Texas to actually go to Vegas, put in the time, uh, put in the bar back work, do what he's got to do, and 
made it to Carnival Court. Where did he work? Carnival or Car- Fuel? Carnival Court. Carnival Court in yeah. Vegas, Presley. In He's Vegas. fucking badass. Oh, this guy could stack bottles Wait. on his head. I mean. Was that the guy, brother? Oh, Who's the guy that you showed me where you were like, watch his fluidity and he doesn't even like have to look at his. No, that that's Rodrigo Delpe. We'll get to, oh. we'll we'll get to that monster. In a little Jeez. While. Yeah, so, that's him. We were just talking about that too. So those are my three judges. Vladimir Burinov, Daniel Oribe, and Josh Nimbaro. Anyways, finals end up coming, coming up. Uh, I throw my round. I had a good round. I only had two drops. Um, and it comes up to, for finals, I mean, for the award ceremony, I ended up coming in third, and I and Orlando came in fourth. And like, <laughs> I fucking did Which, it. you know what, dude? I was so excited. You <laughs> saw Orly at the exhibition show this was, at Nano's place. Yeah, that was. And it was like a year after that? I want to say like seven to eight months. Not even a full year, and you practiced that much because you obviously saw what he could do. That's impressive. But you also told me you put in like six, eight hours a day. Yeah, sometimes more. And um, I would only take like one day off. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I would practice a lot. Yeah. Now, you don't get scars on your fingers, bumps on your hands. You don't learn how to do these things without putting in the time. That's the formula. You know? Woody mentioned that the other day about how scarred his hands are. I, okay, on a scale of one to 10, at my prime, I would rate me like at a like a point zero two. I fucking sucked, right? I got barely fucking flare. I am worth a damn like a sucked. But I but I understand some of the moves I can do some of them, right? And uh, at least enough to do some like working flare by the bar and actually pour. Yeah. No way. There's no way I'm even uh, close to a two. Whatever. There's no skill to that. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so I suck, and I remembered how much it would hurt. Well, some of our friends would come in, like all the flare guys would come in uh, to train or practice and shit. And like, for example, <laughs> Orlando, one of our great, good, good, good buddies. He's a, he's a really small, petite guy. He would come in and I'd be like, dude, does your girlfriend beat the shit out of you? He would have <laughs> bruises all over yeah. his arms because the bumping of a bottle. Okay, first off, these are what they practice with until They're they get light. use the glass bottle. Yeah. No. This is actually made out of a plastic that's very similar to PVC. This PVC. feels like a fucking bowling pin. Like when you're spinning this thing, yeah, they hurt. It, it, yeah, and on your elbows. So yeah, I've seen y'all couple. scarred up, covered in bruises. Yeah, I oh, knocked yeah. myself out before. I hit myself in the face, broke my oh. glasses. Uh, Didn't you have a horse bout story? Uh, yeah, when I first horse bouts, they're very sharp at the very end. Uh, um, this is a little, a little. Side, but uh, I was practicing in my room barefoot with a metal pour spout, which oh I don't my God. think we have right now. No, I don't think we do, a but metal, they're super sharp at the bar when they pour and they come out. It's like literally smaller thin. than a straw mm-hmm. and it's metal. So, so if you jam it, yeah. I used to play hacky sack a lot, right? I'll just throw <laughs> that out there. And uh, I'm over here throwing this thing around and I ended up like, like of course, dropping it. Well, my barefoot uh, ass goes boom. Well, this thing like wedges to the back of my foot, gets stuck in there. Oh. I had to pull out, take off the the pore spout, take it out, and pull a the piece skin. Of skin that out a tube of the, skin. The inside. <laughs> I, I could barely walk on my foot. It was cut up. Oh Man, my god! Dude. Where did it hit you? <laughs> my right foot on the very bottom of my right foot. A fucking tube of skin. Yeah. and I was just trying to like hacky sack it, like. Boom, get it out of the way. And oh my God. 
don't flare bartend without shoes <laughs> or in sandals. Um, was it you or Orly that would tell me y'all always had this fear, this, like this final destination vision of tripping behind the bar oh, and falling I where have, the bar rack is and the and the poor spot goes right into your eye and kills I, you? I have, think about it. All the bartenders out there, think about that. If you tripped I have a nightmare. and right where your speed rack is, you fell. That and, was me. I have a nightmare. And it, and I've had it several times where <laughs> I'm you. working shift and I'm in the middle of something and I trip over the mats. The Bro, mats I've tripped over the mats so many times. A fucking bottle on the floor, some bullshit on the floor. And trip, trip, boom, poor spout to the eye. Death by poor spout. Dude. Oh, bro, once you told me that, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh my I've tripped God. so many times behind the bars, like, running around, busy. There's so much trash on it, like, Friday, Saturday night. Like, I've stumbled. Totally that could happen. No, but it's happened, uh, not to my face, but, like, oh, I'll trip, and then, like, boom. I'll get oh, I, I catch him. I caught him on the arm the, before. The popular one is the knee. You get him on the knee a lot, so. We should make a Final Destination bar edition. I just want to say, it's super impressive that you put in that much time and actually beat someone that had already been doing it. Yeah, and I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was in awe. I There's a picture of me up there with Carlos, like, with the biggest smile on my face. Like, third place, man. I fucking, you know. That's what you placed. I, I yeah. placed. I, literally, the next day, I... Uh, I message Carlos and I say, when is TFBC six? <laughs> and he's like, chill, bro. We just called out motherfucker. Dude, like whatever. So I ended up- it's a big ordeal. It's a big yeah. event that he throws. It takes a lot to organize. There's competitors coming from around the fucking world. Yeah. There's fucking so many people. He has to hire so many, like all his bartenders from within the, within the company that he can pull from, but the one that actually don't want to work it or like, it's, it's a huge fucking. Yeah. It was right after CFBC five that I had just met the judges, um, primarily uh, Danilo and Vladimir. And they, at the time were running the Las Vegas flare Academy um, in Las Vegas. Yeah. And so, I mean, like this just seemed like the right thing for me to do. I had never been to Vegas. I had never been on a plane. I had never been out of state except for Mexico. Um, I, I set myself up to go and I went by myself to the Las Vegas Blair Academy. Um, amazing. I got to train with these world champion flair bartenders. That's dope. And immediately they separate the classes from uh, beginner or novice to, and more advanced. I was felt like so awesome that they put me in the advanced. I had just started flair bartending. Oh shit. Know. Yeah, and they put me in the advance, and they were super hospitable. They picked me up from the airport. They took me, took us to their house. I got to be at Danilo Oribe's house, uh, just shooting the shit, watching him flare a little bit outside, and eating pizza. It was the coolest thing ever. Uh, the very first time I ever got to see a professional, or no, this was the second time I got to see a professional flare bartending competition, uh, but the first time outside of TFBC, um, and it was hosted at the Tilted Kilt. Uh, between the link and um, the flamingo. Oh, when was this? This was that year. Isn't uh, the link pretty new? 2014. They had just built the link. Okay, I was, was like, bro, the link's pretty year. fucking new, it was man. The very first year, I got a fucking cheap ass hotel. Oh yeah. It was like 30 bucks for the night. I remember the first year that the link was open. Actually, the summer it opened. I was playing craps in there, and because the link was so new, they didn't have their own craps tables. They, it was a craps tables from one of the other properties. It's like golden nugget. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like, this is a shitty ass fucking, because I was pissed. Some a brand new, for the bro, it was a brand new fucking yeah. casino and hotel. Walked in, there was a shitty craps table. I was like, the fuck is yeah. this? And, and actually, like, we're getting them next week. Do you know where the high roller is? Right off mm -hmm. of, okay, so 
the uh, where you pay to get into the high roller, it's right here. We were right above them where the where the training was. That's can give you a vision of where we were at. That's cool. Yeah, That's and so cool. he was like on a rooftop. Yeah, and we were flaring with like this Vegas rooftop. So dope. Yeah, super dope. I think I I think I have a picture of me accepting my certificate. So now I've been to Vegas. I got my certificate. And I had this training from Danilo Oribe, who showed me how to juggle three bottles within two days. I had been watching these videos on the flarebartending.tv, and I was finally able to finish the videos because of Danilo Oribe. I remember you said, I asked you when you left that class, how many days was it? You said like four or five? Or you said almost no, a week, right? Uh, I was there for about a week, but the class was only two days, something like that. And the competition was the next day. I remember uh, asking, like, did you. Think it, not was it worth it like did you really like holy oh, shit you, that's what i've been doing wrong you just thank you you gave every, you that guidance that you every needed training that i've had i i think i definitely retained and i always ask questions and i'm just like right there like i was i was a good student in, in school i'm fucking there you know questions. what i've i've uh, like obviously i don't know all the flair bartenders as intimately as you do but from what i've gathered and like like i said like no one ever really I didn't go train like you did, mm -hmm. but for the most part, they're so fucking hospitable. Like they want to, they want you to get better because then you'll turn your friend into a flair bartender and then he'll turn his friend. It, and then there's more flair bartenders and more bars to be and more like, like unwritten, building the community. It's like this unwritten code that we have between each other. It's like anytime we hang out, it's camaraderie and you're like, yeah, you're pushing each other around, but you're teaching each other. You're learning from each other. You know what I mean? You see this one guy do an inverted, uh, tossing like hey how'd you do that and now that you take that to your practice and now you're adding that in your own way to yeah. your routine right um it's definitely like very infectious when you have other bartenders around um i can say that i <clears throat> i definitely learned a lot when i got up to tfbc7 tfbc6 was cool trained just as hard came back i got third place again when i thought i should have gotten second um, but at the time, it just the way the the point system landed up, it's just the way they, things yeah. happen, right? So yeah. TFB, plus a big part of it, uh, which I always like to bring up, is they score different things for your round. But some of it is uh, what's the thing with the music? What is it called? Music interaction. Okay, so when they pick the song, their routine goes to like the fucking beat or like a, a badass trick when he lands something crazy is like when the bass drops. Yeah, so when you match it, they know you are that fucking choreographed and timed. And then another thing is originality. So if someone right. comes up and just throws one badass trick, but they've never seen it. Man, he got yeah. a fucking lot of points on there. Like it's. It's definitely very hard to reinvent the wheel, and all these tricks have been done. Most of them have been done before. I am been doing this seven years now, and I'm barely getting to the point where I'm creating my own tricks that I've never seen anybody do, which is fucking awesome for me. Hell yeah! But um, it's like these doors that open up. But it all comes with that formula of putting in the time, of putting in the practice. Uh, all these guys that are the best of the best of the world, they had they're the best of the world because of the amount of time that they put in. They say 10,000 10, hours, 10, to, hour, master, yeah. to master something. I can guarantee those guys that put in 20, 30,000, 40,000 hours. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo Del Pesce himself. He probably, been maybe. Flaring since he was 14. At the, around this time, <clears throat> I got to train with Rodrigo Del Pesce. I joined RGV Bar Stars. Which, hold on. If you don't know who that guy is, take, take just a minute to go to YouTube and look up Rodrigo Del Pesce. He's from Argentina. 
look up the first video. Just look up any of the fucking videos that are millions of views. Yeah. He is w- the world renowned, most yeah. known Flair bartender. Yeah, look up his right? YouTube channel. Right now he's doing a, um, a 365 podcast where he's doing one trick per day. What? That's yeah. cool. Yeah, he's on day 80. Almost what do you mean he's doing one trick? Like he's teaching a trick he's a day? He's teaching a trick every single day. That's so cool. That's so cool. Spanish because he's from Argentina, so he's got yeah. a South American following. Well, I, fuck, go look at that. Go do that. I want to do that. Right? So at the time, uh, yeah. I got to have I joined RGV Barstars, and um, Nando at the time he said, "Hey man, why don't we all pitch in and bring Rodrigo Dopesh to Brownsville and take a master class from him?" It's pretty much like paying uh, like uh, a professional to come and give you private yeah, lessons. Definitely. That's what it was. We ended up paying this guy a few grand plus room and board. Um between all of us we pitched in and we go to Nano's same garage with fucking baby stuff all over the place washing <laughs> machine uh still awesome dope little pad the flare lair is what he calls it no that's yeah, fucking good it's pretty cool the yeah. flare uh, but dude rodrigo del pesh 17 time world champion in brownsville in this garage that's how many times he's won it 17 times bro that's not a joke shit yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, won, he won TFBC the last four years that he was at. At TFBC, the one I went to, they had the flags of who had won before. All of them except for two were Argentina, and it was <laughs> Delpesh. I was like, what the fuck He's is that? His, his brother, Christian Delpesh, is a legend in flair bartending. When he was coming up, he was like, wait till you see my younger brother. That's what people like. You're like, oh my God, it's the same with like yeah. Carlos and Orly. What's his projection? Definitely, um, definitely. Is it true? Someone told me that. What's Rodrigo Christian? Christian Delpesh. Isn't he the one who um, had the had the idea to like um, like come up with the idea of school teaching people with bartending that he made the company and the DVDs? I someone I told me. For sure. Okay, someone told me that <clears throat> the older brother is known as like the inventor of bartending mm. that he went from how do I, how do I market what I know to fucking people? To so he made people. Academy and, and training DVDs and that that's what I, made him like, and bo- maybe books too. I do know that they have DVDs. Actually, I should have brought it with me. I and I feel like Delpesh master. That's what I was told. And then his younger brother, fucking Rodrigo, yeah. right on I his mean, coattails, flair legend. The guy like, was practicing at 16 years old. He told me during this master class at, at Mariano's, He's, I asked him, like, hey, how long did you used to practice? He's like, well, at 16, my brother used to work at this bar, and the owner used to give me the keys to the bar. So he would just show up and practice. Like, it was at 16 years old and Damn. just fucking put in time in Argentina doing his thing. And those guys got out. They, they travel the world. They make money They're legends. solely doing this. I, I'm pretty sure um, his older brother is, like, yeah. a brilliant businessman because of how he took what he knew. And he's like, what yeah. do I do with this? Yeah. So I ended up taking this master class with Rodrigo Del Pesh and – to be honest, the RGB Bar Stars boys were a little intimidated. We were all a little intimidated yeah. having this guy there, like a fucking superstar. You know, think about you're a basketball player and you have uh, Steph Curry come and teach you something at your basketball court. Like this was the the, the intensity of. Plus, you want to make it like your time. Just having him there. Like worth it. You're like, right? Don't ask dumb questions. Yeah, don't ask so, dumb questions. Literally. <laughs> We were all a little intimidated, but I was like, okay, I want to learn big moves. And from Rodrigo Delpech, I was like, I want to learn multi-object moves, three objects, four objects. And so he started showing us a couple of things, and we spent two days with him. 
And that was like, boom, I, I got that, that click back in my head and I went back and I practiced, practiced, practiced. When, when Lorenzo says that, when you first start, you start with like just a bottle. You like throw it around, do some tricks. Then you get a bottle and the tin and do some tricks. Then when you get like multi-objects, two tins, one bottle, three tins, one thing. What did you just say you, you did the other day? I'm um, working on a move with five shakers in one bottle. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where do you put all of them? The biggest ones I have. <laughs> Octopus arms. Yeah. I, uh, I have a clip. I've landed it one time. I have a clip of it. Um, I, we can bust out. We'll fucking, uh, yeah. Oh, my reaction actually at the end of that clip is priceless. I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck yeah. Effing <laughs> priceless. <laughs> it was so good. Um, but yeah, it gets to like crazy objects. Now, when he, that's why I'm saying for people who don't understand, we will put videos. But when he says multi-objects, you're not just throwing one and one. Yeah, one and one's like, you, you still do some really cool and amazing so things. Much that you can but do when you get three, the- four things in the air, holy shit, that's yeah. fucking, that's when you see the videos of the flare competitions that blow your mind when there there's like three or four things in the air. It is, uh, it, everything has to be in place. You know what I mean? But five um, shakers and one <laughs> five shakers. That's six objects. Yeah. Crazy, right? Mind, like, doesn't comprehend how yeah. that works. When he told me that the other day, I was like, "Holy well, shit!" Right now, bro. with the routine that I'm putting together, um, I end with a, a four shakers, one object move. Um, and it's coming Damn. together pretty smoothly, but I want it to be 100%. I, when I train for new moves and I add them to the routine, it's uh, military style. It's their drills, like doing drills for basketball, doing drills for yeah. baseball. Yeah, yeah. I sit there and I do 100 of these, whether I land them or not. Yeah. And it becomes consistency. That's how I train for my competition. Actually, yeah, I was going to bring I that have, up. He, um, he told me one time that I was very interested. I asked you this yesterday or the day before. I was super interested of like how, when he's dedicated to go to the competitions, how he um, prepares, like what his method is. And he literally told me like, oh, the day before I have, I'll give myself a number. I need to do my entire routine. Maybe like a few months before, but. um, Well, how, yeah. Yeah, I, for me, my 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 mind works when I write things down, even for recipes or when I used to do a theater, I used to write all my, all the uh what like was my training project? lines all my lines yeah all my lines for uh, for the script i used to write them all down and that would help me retain information so literally i take from three two one go all the way to the end and i write down what i'm going to do uh starting with like cheater tin shaker tin scoop and and scoop flare take a rest use the mixing glass all of this sounds like gibberish and it's just one t one b exhibition flare like that means nothing to you but to me that means one tin one bottle doing exhibition flare, which means there's only about half, uh, half an ounce of liquid so that we can manipulate the bottle to spin um, as far as exhibition flare. And then I go into working flare, which would be about a half a bottle flute, full. And I literally write everything down, everything I'm going to pick up as, to the end, to garnish and straws and end. Then once I have my routine built, I start going through run-throughs. Uh, for this one, the Las Vegas World Flare Bartending Championship. Sorry. <laughs> um, this was in 2019. Uh, and actually, I will post, we will post a video of this competition specifically. Um, I gave myself, I told myself 100 rounds. I wanted to do it 100 times before I went to Vegas so that I was really sure. I ended up doing, it says right here, 125 rounds uh, ending in March 1st, 2019. And what I do is I, I do a run through. I circle it, 
And then I try to remember how many drops I had and I write it right next to it. I set everything back up and I go again. <laughs> and I do that, uh, I write the date and I have the date that I wrote, did it on, how many times I did it that day. Um, it's pretty crazy. That's so cool. <laughs> I know a few other bartenders that, uh, flair bartenders that do this, but I don't know very many of them that do it this. Have you ever thought about um, doing a more detailed drop log? You said at the end of it, you'll say, okay, uh, your run through takes whatever, four minutes. Okay, boom, I dropped twice, right? But have you ever thought about maybe just taking five more seconds and adding where you dropped it? And then after a hundred rounds, you go back and look and you'll be like, 60 times my dropped right here. So then we, in, in competition, you'd be like, right when you're about to get to that moment, focus 10% yeah. even more. Th Boom, I got think, you, bitch. I think the difficulty with actually- Or like would learn like, a, like a, 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 uh, what do they call it? Like people that are obsessed with stats, mm -hmm. when they yeah. see like, oh, actually, that's where you drop it more consistently, man. Like I that's your what area. What I to do uh, would be to record all my rounds. So oh. that I have an exact yeah. reference of where Something yeah. went wrong. No, you're right. That'd because be key. In the middle of doing a routine and throwing five, six objects around, it's I, I'm I don't know if I'm being biased or not. I'm trying to be as honest as possible, but sometimes you may lose a drop or two, and it was three yeah, or right. four instead of. I mean, I want to give myself three, and that one didn't count or whatever. No, you're um, right. You can't. Yeah, nothing beats footage. But I yeah. definitely think that recording uh, my rounds now. I finally got myself a GoPro. So I'm definitely going to start. Don't y'all have two of them now? Now we have two <laughs> of them. Yeah, we're going to get different angles. But you get a time lapse and a regular, man. You know? That's cool. But um, I'm definitely going to start recording my, uh, my practice rounds. I, a lot of professionals that are like high bit. level into whatever that is, like full gung-ho, they record themselves. Like, uh, I always watch, <clears throat> and I talk to you about this a lot, like uh, I watch JRE a lot, the yeah, Joe Rogan definitely. experience. And one of his methods consistently when he tells people for anything but he says when he's talking to the other, the fresh comedians or when they were first starting out um, that to record your own standup. And he goes, it's brutal to watch, but you learn so much from, yeah. oh, I'm doing this consistently wrong every time right here. That's come on, I fix, you know, anything like even, in I mean, even ball, in sports, like, it, yeah, yeah, go watch film. Yeah. 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 Would record all of us and be like, look at your form here. Look at what you're doing. And I remember I literally had the worst elbow pain. I, could ever imagine one year. I think it was like my sophomore junior year in high school. And it wasn't until someone recorded me throwing like frame by frame. And I was like, that's where I go. That's where I went wrong. Like, oh, that's where I have to focus. Where did you get that I done? You could see frame by frame? Yeah, in high school. Talking like a slow motion camera, you're talking like fucking iPhone. Like, doo -doo -doo. No, 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 no. It was like a camera that my coach. Like a legit. Had. Oh yeah. shit, that's cool. So it was yeah, I, it was perfect though and that's exactly the same thing i feel like whenever you're practicing and trying to like master something i feel like the some of the steps are a lot of the same like the 10,000 hours kind very of very whatever you're going to do like it's the same thing and i think it's when we talk about muscle memory all the time and exactly. especially with this yeah and i i honestly think it's so impressive and so inspiring that like you were able to put in that much dedication and you had the perseverance to really like be great at something to like be great at it and turn your whole life around and find something that you were so passionate about and something that you still enjoy and something that you love doing 
and like, I'm going to fly this person in. I'm going to practice 10 hours this day or like do whatever. I think it's a lot. Yeah. So amazing. It's so, so cool to like know somebody who has done something like that. It's (laughs) amazing. Yeah. Hell yeah. I just, like I said, I'm addicted to this and it's, it's an obsession. I'm obsessed. I eat, breathe and sleep it. You know what I mean? If it's not cocktails, if it's not flair, it's uh, beverage, it's hospitality, really. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, bartending, is, making drinks is one thing. Uh, tending to the bar is another. Being hospitable, it doesn't take very much to do that. You know right. what I mean? Just be nice and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Do it with a smile. So um, 2015, we're at TFEC 7. Oh, dude, TFEC 7 is where, oh, man, I trained extra hard for this one. I even got on a diet. I, I, training six, eight hours is intense. Six in Texas, you're outside at the time in a garage. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I put on some weight, man. I put on some, and I, even right now I I put on some weight, but, um, I had signed up for a competition in Cancun, my first international competition. And it was a month before TFBC seven. So I was like, fuck, I'm going to Cancun. I want to look a little good. Uh, plus I want to do really well at TFPC seven. It's my year to win. And, um, I got out on this meal prep diet and I lost a bunch of weight. I got almost to like 200 pounds at that point. And I, dude, I fucking, I got to take 165. I mean, not super cut, but I mean, 165 clean. clean. Yeah. It was nice. It felt good. Um, I ended up going to Cancun and I ended up coming home with a second place trophy first international comp. I come home with a second place. That was been so badass to party so after after you won that con- awesome. or after you won yeah. like that the rest of the night the rest of the trip. I don't remember in Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Cancun was such an amazing experience. Uh, the only time I competed internationally. What was were, what was that competition? It was uh, at the time called Da Vinci. Flair you told me that. That's comp- cool. Competition. I can't remember. That's a dope name. I like da anything Vinci, that says Da Vinci. Oh, da Vinci Open. Da Vinci is a syrup brand that comes from the Mexico. He um, also painted some shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> a cool, he cool painted, turtle. He painted something. Uh, so I ended up doing uh, Cancun in August and come back to TFBC 7 in September. And um, I qualify in second for finals. And I end up taking it and uh, taking the championship. And I have the trophy right here. I ended up getting this guy. Boom. That's so fucking dope. Dope. Semi-pro. So this right here was like such an experience. Um, Just leading up to it, this was the biggest TFBC that uh, that they had at the ever. Uh, We had, I believe, twenty some different countries being represented at the time, Um, and I actually hosted at my house. Jason Rams from Trinidad and Tobago, a flair bartending legend in that from that area. Um, a guy who look up Jason Rams on either Instagram or Facebook. Um, super, super talented. Doesn't get enough credit as he deserves. Uh, he's super, super talented. Best flair bartender I think in South America. Um, oh shit! And Christoph, uh, I'm probably gonna. Oh, dude, Kizay <laughs> is last name. Van de la Bailey. Anyways, if you look at it really quick, it looks like Vanderbilt, but it's not. It's Ben de la Bailey or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's 
fucking amazing. Christoph, Shout out to Kristoff. I have a nice little story about Kristoff. When he comes to San, when Texas, he said he's going to come and party with us for sure. It, yeah. When it comes to practicing, we just talked about practicing repetition and uh, muscle memory. When Kristoff was at my house, I ended up noticing this like, <laughs> crusty vagina looking thing on his elbow. And it was just like. <laughs> Remember when we Super talked about bruises and calluses and of Christoph has the world record in the most elbow bumps at one time. He can spin a bottle and bump it like 150, 200 times. When he gets tired in the middle of doing this, he'll spin it up, give it three spins and then keep going to give himself a little bit of time to, yeah. to chill out. This like nasty callus, <laughs> super girl. Like, I mean, you bend it up and it's just like... <laughs> Bro, we were talking about when he said scars, it. and I said uh, like Orly had bruises, shit like that. He's like, bro, Kristoff's fucking gross little fucking like the, the hunchback, need, like on know? his arm. Oh, oh my god! Like long sleeve shirts and throw like. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm oh, in fucking Texas. He's he's a beast. Look up Kristoff. Oh man, Instagram, his yeah. Facebook. Uh, I'm sure he's on YouTube also. Uh, for sure super technical actually you know what he where's he from belgium, belgium. i've seen him on uh on tv shows he did uh belgium's got talent that's what it was thing. like america's got talent he's been on some of their shows yeah, yeah. So fucking amazing yeah. he has videos of like in a park and he'll throw a bottle and he'll bump it like so many fucking times you you can't Insane. count like three minutes later and you're like holy shit like yeah. this guy's amazing so yeah. um <clears throat> we end up doing tfbc seven i end up winning and after TFBC, we always have what's called um, a bump off. And literally, it's when you just do as many bumps as you can. Next person goes, and you can get it within the one try, whatever, you win. Well, Christoph, the bump king, comes to Texas, <laughs> does good on He's stage. He's amazing. Y'all need to look at the YouTube. Does, gets off stage videos. and then just starts pounding beers and shots. Without with forgetting that there's a bump off because there. he lo- because he did so good in his in his flare <laughs> round he's like fuck yeah, yeah celebrating he got like, drunk he's on yeah. vacation you know what I mean he's fucking pounding beers Christoph is big old muscular dude sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger like just got that accent and um, he ends up pounding these beers comes down to the bump off and Rodrigo Del Pesh goes and uh, no actually Rodrigo Del Pesh went after him uh, I forget who went first. Start doing bumps, and then they call Kristoff. Kristoff, like everybody knows, Kristoff's known for his, he's got the world record. He's right, yeah. So he puts down his beer, and he goes upstage, and he's like, he must have done like, and it's still a lot, like 20 bumps on stage. Okay, for, for comparison, how many bumps can you do uh, on average? My record bump, uh, amount of bumps is 24. On average, uh, sitting down, right now I can do about four or five consistently. Consistent. Okay, yeah. And he think about just, it's, it's just Yes, like, it's boom, ridiculous boom, when he boom, does it. Boom, ridiculous. Boom, He's just, boom. yeah. And it's, the bottle's just bouncing and spinning, Minutes spinning, spinning. That. Think of, that's why he needs that crusty thing there. <laughs> Jesus. He needs like a hat for it. I wonder if he lathers it or something. <laughs> Put a hat. Oh, my like God. Like a beanie. Well, anyways, Christoph does like these 20 bumps or whatever. And so Rodrigo Del Pesh, 17-time world champion, comes on stage and he's just like, boom, 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 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. He wins. <laughs> and so Kristoff, I mean, world, world record holder on the amount of bumps, comes to Texas Fuck and yeah. fucking pounds What he's in. known for. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, did he, did he place an actual flare comp? You said he was Ooh, really proud of his... He got third place, man. Um, nice. You a pro or semi-pro? Oh, definitely pro. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, so that was the thing is that when I got this trophy, our good friend Carlos, I go up on stage and he tells me, 
all right, you know what this means, right? And I'm like, uh, he's like, no more semi-pro. It's just like this unwritten rule that like, hey, you, you hit your semi-pro achievement, it's time for you to start competing pro. And from that moment forward, I competed as a professional and I started training as a professional, started traveling more. That's crazy, man. Start, started actually earning some, uh, some prize money. I ended up going to Brownsville and winning the doghouse bartending challenge. Ended up winning like over a grand. It was like almost 13. That's really cool. That's the moment when they're like, you won first. All right, motherfucker. No more semi-pro. I won the big ass move that day, that day, um, with a four tins in a bottle also. Oh shit. Yeah. Damn. And so there's so many actually at TFBC. That's so many. Yeah. It's so much shit in the air. I see them when they capture them quick. It's yeah. fucking like fruit ninja. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I started traveling a little bit. I ended up going to Arizona, back to Vegas a few times. Uh, I, I haven't done good at Vegas until the last two times that I've been. The last two times I've been to Vegas, I got I placed sixth place in a professional flair bartending competition. And for me, my latest award, my most noted uh, recognition that I guess I've had yet is this guy right here. I, uh, got chosen as the top 10 uh, flair bartenders in the United States by the United States uh, Bartenders Guild um, to go compete in Vegas during the nightclub and bar show uh, convention held at the uh, Las Vegas Convention Center. Wait, Lorenzo, I didn't know that. That's so sick. Yeah, um, this was last year, 2019. Wait, what? the one in the Luxor now? Is that the one we were talking about? No, no that that's the other the, spot. That okay. Was, that was the Las Vegas. Uh, Down by the Stratosphere, that convention center? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Down by the, uh, huge show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have like four different conventions. Yeah, they, and they do. Ridiculous. Um, so anyways, the United States Bartenders Guild pays for my room. Um, I have to pay for my flight. They, they give us a stipend when we get there. Um, they give us transportation to the venue. And we show up and we have our own little station to they have juicers, mixers, uh, vessels, cutty boards, everything you need. So, I mean, just like top-notch service. Things fucking happen. Plus, you get a VIP badge for the convention, so you can go and sample all the products, look at all the new bar stuff. If you've never, if you're in the bar business, if you're a bar owner, a bar manager, bartender, go to the nightclub and bar show at one point. It is a phenomenal experience. You get to sample all the cool new shit. Um, amazing. But um, end up going and competing. Um, this is a 50-50 comp. And the only reason that I, got, I did so well is because of the 50-50 comp. I did very well in my routine, but my level of difficulty wasn't as high as some of the others. So I, got, I scored very well as far as points goes, but difficulty kind of brought me down a little bit. But I had the best cocktail uh, there. So those points is what got me to See, third place. I like when they do the competition. So it all at this yeah. point, I'm told to come on stage right after they gave the legend himself, Rodrigo Del Pesh, second place, and Colby Ashton first place. So that's real good I'm company. In Vegas. That's real good company a, to be right, right with those guys, board. bro. I have a picture <clears throat> of this to validate it. <laughs> I didn't steal this. I came in third place to Rodrigo Del Pesh himself, and. That's been. He's such a legend. This man. right here ranked me nationally uh, through the United States Bartenders Guild as the third best player bartender in the United States, and um, I have, I am in awe that I even considered uh, to be in the even at the top ten. The guys that went with us, there was three of us from Texas that went. Nano himself, uh, the legend. Nano's really good, Mariano, yeah. 
and uh, my boy Cruz. Cruz Cruz is fucking a beast too. For me, in my personal, uh, professional opinion, the best uh, overall bartender, like I like to say, in uh, San Antonio. When when did you meet Cruz? I worked with him. I met Cruz at TFPC5 during the cocktail competition. Oh, I knew him. He blew me away. He was so good by then. He was so good already then. I met him probably three years before that. Remember I told you yeah. I worked at Benihana and then I quit and worked with, at Ohana's, my oh, GM. Yeah. He said he was working there with his long hair. Yes, and my GM was like, oh, I'm going to blow everyone's minds. I want a flair bartender with your cousin behind the bar. And he hired Cruz. He used to work downtown at a bar called Medusa. Yeah, Cruz is yeah. out of this world. Um, not only is he a brilliant cocktail mind, he is amazing flair bartender. Yeah. So the three of us got to represent over there and – it was an honor. Damn, they sent to, a good fucking crew. To, all mean, three? I mean, Nano, the guy who taught me everything. <clears throat> Cruz, um, shit, Rodrigo Del Pesh, uh, Rem Ong. There was so many. Uh, Luis Ortiz. Colby Ashton, so The Puerto Rican Mohican. It's yeah, <laughs> a dope Where name. Where's Colby Ashton from? Colby Ashton's from uh, Pittsburgh originally, but he is a flair bartender in Las Vegas for many years. They used to call him the cheese. He's badass. He was known for his his videos are fucking, time, yes. And he deserved to win that competition. Uh, he had been fighting for it for a long time. He got to, the, when you win this competition, you get a ride to the world bartending uh, competition. In this case, it was in China. And that's a free ride, full pay. Uh, we were signed up for nationals this year, but because of COVID, we're all yeah. backed up. So hopefully 2021, 2021 <laughs> uh, we can get back to that. I definitely, it is now my goal to come back and take it. So, um, and if not that, the Pan American Open is also, the guy who gets second place goes to the Pan American Open. Damn. So, and the Pan American Open oh, is like, yeah. is what you would consider regionals or district before you get to state or, yeah. mm-hmm. or national. Yeah. That, that's how I could compare it best. However, uh, the system is structured. Top three of that yeah. end up going to the World Cocktail Championships. And there's a representative from each country for flair and uh, mixology. Um, uh, so I definitely want to do that at some point. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's my flair bartending career so far. That's funny, man, because there's, I think there's been people I've right seen. I've met a lot of people that have been working and been flaring for a long time. But they, don't, <clears throat> they haven't really progressed. Like the whole time I've known them, they're the same. Um, and it's because they're not putting it. And it's, it just really comes down to dedication. Like it's a hoppy of theirs that they like to do. Like me, like I never really practice longer than bro. Yeah. Two hours maybe. It's, like, it's like I said earlier, like just to so my boys here in town, my old RGB bar star. That's what I'm saying. I know yeah, some of them that have guys, been I mean, as good seven years yeah, ago as now. They're, they're, they're the, the same, same. things over and over. And mm-hmm. hey, I'll give, I'll give them Nothing this. wrong with they it. They got a lot of love. And they, they're very loyal. If I ever needed a slot filled for a competition that I threw, um, they were always there to, to, to fill in a slot. My boy Damien, he would do it the day before. Christian, he would sign up the couple of days before. And they would just, but they would throw the same things over and over. No progression. Um, it was just the same thing to fill a slot. And they know that they have a lot more potential than that, what they're putting in. And, but it takes... The cutting, the bruising, the hours, yeah. the formula. There's no way you're going to get There's better no at it. There's no way to get good unless <clears throat> you put in the time. Yeah. There's no other way. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's a sick story for sure. Yeah. Thanks. Like, so different and so cool. And, like, 
I think it can also apply to so many different things for other people. Like, like I said earlier, it is inspiring. Like somebody practicing that much and has that much dedication for something. Like if you love it, work at it and practice at it and you can be great at something. It doesn't have to, it doesn't take like this special person. It takes the dedication and like the, the, dedica- the motivation. Dedication is something that not a lot of people, not a lot of people have them. Yeah, exactly. So amazing. Lorenzo, we love you. Thank you guys. You know it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, we hope you have fun. I, do, we do have a, just want to say thank you for having me on. I've never done anything like this. It was kind of cool to look back at uh, my past experiences and my career. Um, if, any of my friends are watching this. Um, I know I have a lot of, fo- I don't have a lot of followers. <laughs> Sorry. Um, if you guys could just like this video either on YouTube, Instagram, uh, what do you guys, iTunes, Facebook, effing priceless. <laughs> These two are a class act guys. <laughs> Seriously. I enjoy watching you guys podcast all the time. I love coming here to Bobby's and checking out his saltwater aquariums and just overall hanging out with a good person. It's definitely very motivating to surround yourself around good people. And you guys are definitely good people in my, in my mind. So thanks buddy. Thank you guys very much. Um, appreciate it. That was so nice. <laughs> All right, Lorenzo. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go follow Lorenzo. Check him out on YouTube and Facebook. And what else are you on? I don't know. <laughs> Insta- Instagram. That's it. Instagram, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. I have a YouTube channel. We are going to put up some videos on this so you guys can check out, but feel free to go and like my stuff. Um, if anybody in the San Antonio area ever needs flare bartending lessons, I was going to say, definitely, if you're ever interested to learn that and or improve, like if you already think you know some and you've been doing some simple little throws or swipe throughs <clears throat> at whatever bar you work at, check out some videos that Lorenzo was talking about and then shoot him a message yeah, because I, he I, can do classes. Yeah. I only want to show more people how awesome this culture is. And if anybody was ever gonna become a bartender and I had any advice for them, I would tell them, throw yourself into the culture and don't ever look back because it is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again. We'll have you on for sure because I feel like we can talk for hours and hours. <laughs> oh, we can. Another thing that, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, uh, what I don't, I don't know if I told you, Presley, uh, I have an opportunity to go do a ghost investigation, a ghost hunt. And so yeah. Lorenzo open to idea ghost, but doesn't believe him because he's never seen anything, which is valid. So I'm taking someone that's skeptical and someone that believes. And so we'll, we'll uh, post that. Well, I'm sure we'll, you'll, we'll have a recap episode I'll, on that. I'll call the motherfucker out. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. Um, and then, so thank you to Lorenzo. And thank you so much again to our wonderful bands. Hell yeah. We always open up with good times. Saltwater Slide, Texas Reggae. They're here locally. Uh, We love these guys. Oh, you know what's really fucking awesome? No, I think actually on the thing it says Texas uh, Reggae. Texas Reggae. I believe that's what they're... Conscious Rock. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. We'll look that up. Um, You know what's really funny? The first time I heard those guys, it was a concert that you invited me to. Oh, yeah. With Bumpin' Uglies and um, Little Stranger. And they opened up in uh, Powerpuff Girls... (laughs) <laughs> They're all dressed like that on stage, fucking going crazy. It was our first experience. But yeah, Saltwater Slide's awesome, guys. Check them out on all their platforms and social media. And we thank them a lot for letting us use their music. And they are badass. Go check them out.
Absolutely. And then we can't forget our outro. Love killed the hero, lead singer, Wally Rowe. Wally. They know Wally very well also. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's another connection. Yep. Yes, whenever oh, yeah, they're so. open, he uh, plays at Cloak. And so give him some love, show his band some love. They are also originally from the Valley. They're from Brownsville. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I did not know Wally was from uh, Brownsville. I- yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So cool. they're from the Valley and now they live here in San Antonio. Just a really great group of guys in that band also. Go show them all some love. And again, thank you so much. Check oh, out yeah. um, Dr. Octavius's Instagram. Oh, yeah. Our new octopus, guys. We finally named her. She's been out a bit. I have a few videos on her Instagram. So if you want to check them out, it's the Dr. Octavius, D-R, and then Octavius, like from Spider-Man, O-C-T-A-V-I-U-S, the Dr. Octavius. Oh, yeah. so, thank you so much. We'll see you next Tuesday. Have a good one. It's getting late.